Hey everyone and welcome to Comics from the Multiverse episode 209 I think. Uh, this is a DC Comics podcast. I am Peter joining me as always with a heavily trimmed beard is Matt. Hey ding ding. I'd say it's good to be back but that would be a lie. It's not good to be back? What's upset you Matt? Eh, nothing's upsetting. It's the state of the world, you know. Oh, so everything's upset, and so the, the response to that question. That's a lie. That's, see, I just tricked you, because uh, hockey's coming back in three weeks, hopefully. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yes, hopefully. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I will say my home city was stupid enough to ease restrictions to lose being one of the hub cities for the NHL. So good on you, people. Keep keep on keeping on, I guess. I haven't left my house except to go to work in a while. So... Everything's great. Carter's also here. Yeah, yeah. In about three weeks' time, we got the the snooker world world championship. So, oh what? No, that's. I, I'm grateful it was already back. We we've had a, a couple of tournaments already over the last month or so. But you know, this is the big one that usually yeah. takes place you know April May time. So it's uh, it's, it's been a weird year. So, but are, okay. So I'm glad you're excited. You're gonna be back, right? Um. Like with snooker, are you gonna have five games a day? Well, yeah, probably. Okay. The, the way they I'm, do it, um, yeah, in, in some I'm, rounds. I'm already worried about losing my most of my day because once when hockey, if and when, we're gonna have five to six games a day. Yeah. Well, there's that, and and so like in the, in one of the last tournaments that was just there, there was uh, I think twelve games a day, uh, shorter games. Lot. But these ones are going to be uh, by the by the end of the tournament. There'll be longer games where it'll be one game will still last, you know, eight or th- eight or ten hours easily. That that's like your your cricket where it never ends. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like just like this conversation for Pete never ends. It's not just that. It's just someone's first episode, and after the first thirty seconds, it's nothing but snooker and hockey talk. For two solid minutes. Well, then, at least let them get settled into what the show's supposed well, to be first. Here's the thing: if they're not comfortable with this showing up at random every so often, then it's probably best off getting out now while they still can. It's not about showing up. It can show up at random later. The the start has to be what the show is, so they're actually tempted to stick around. I mean, this is kind of the show. <laughs> oh yeah. my god! All right, it's, a... it's Connor. Connor, Matt, annoyed Pete. It is the crux of the show. DC Comics Podcast. We talk about comic books. Uh, coming up on this week's show, we have, of course, Deceased Dead Planet, Issue 1, Batman 94, Superman 23, Justice League 48, The Flash 757, Hawkman 25, Supergirl 42, Young Justice 16, Batman and the Outsiders 14, and Lois Lane number 12. So, uh, hefty list of books this week. Uh, although I didn't know actually as I was reading was it was a big list of books, but I felt like oh they're all normal sized. I feel like recently whenever we've had a big week, there's always been like two or three that are all yeah. To, to the point that one actually surprised me because Hawkman is issue twenty five, and I was a little yeah. disappointed when it it wasn't extra long. I was like, where's my extra yeah. pages, Hawkman? <laughs> but uh, Dead Planet was was larger. I mean, yes. not, yeah. not excessive like we've had, but, but that's such a quick read that it's it's a Tom yeah. Taylor book though, so it could be a hundred pages and it'd feel like twenty. So yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of Tom Taylor, I read that that Supergirl story, um, and I don't know if I just went in with high expectations, but I don't think I loved it as much as you guys did. 
Like oh, it was the Wonder One. It was. I mean, yeah. there's part of it that when we read it, it was this bright spot in a book of mediocrity. Yeah, that, yeah, that could be it. Because I only, you know, I I tracked it down and read it, and like again, it was fine. You know, it's a it's a decent Supergirl story. Um, but I just I didn't love it nearly as much as you guys did. Um, so I felt broken for a minute, and then I read uh, Dead Planet, and I felt really broken. So it didn't help. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so those are the books coming up on this week's show. Uh, so good news. I, I still owe a Patreon book for last month, by the way. But next week literally has half the books this week did. So I'm just going to do it there. Fine by me. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. So honestly, I think the rest of the month's pretty quiet, especially compared to this week. Yeah, yeah, more evenly spread out. Uh, which seems to be a trend in the solicits for the next few months. Uh, certainly September look nice and evenly spread out, but, uh, so, yes, yeah, so no solicits this week. I assume that'll be next week, so we'll have big solicits talk to go with the books next yeah. week. Yeah, there was a couple of early things which made me think they were coming for, for today, and then they didn't. Uh, well, that'll kind of spiral us into the news quite naturally here. Got a couple of things. Uh, did a couple of horror specials in October, as they, they often do. Although, uh, perhaps a, a bit more refreshingly, it's not a hundred page of like short stories. It's actually two kind of more annual size books that they're they're doing in October. Uh, so the first one is a Swamp Thing book. It's called Legend of the Swamp Thing Halloween Spectacular Issue One. Um, okay. Tom King is returning with a new story. Uh, of the green in this volume, joined by fellow writers James Tynion the Fourth via Alea, uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson, and Ram V. So. Uh, still, it's not going to be anthology style. It's not going to be a, a it's, uh, yeah. heavy hitter. Forty-eight it's pages. A... That one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, tying in, yeah, Ram V. They're both doing. Uh, yeah, they're both familiar with Swampy. Yeah, right. I, I would, I, I would be tempted on this one as a you know justly dark reader that that Ram V's stuff might tie into what's going on there. I actually really yeah. loved the uh, one shot Tom King on Swamp Thing. You two didn't, but I loved that a couple of years ago. So no, it, it was good. It was a little, I just I don't know. I like my Swamp Thing to be a little bit more of what we've been getting with Ram V with the uh, and and less of the dark bleakness that is, you know, which, which I understand that was the majority of Swamp Thing uh, up to the point. But you know, again, we've we've been over. Me and Connor both really enjoyed Soul's take on the yeah. character. So you know. Uh, I don't want to say that's metaphysical, but the, how it plays with mythology and uh, the balance of, of natural forces versus, no, this is a horror comic and it's meant to make you, you know, shocked and, and whatnot. So. Yeah, also, I could put a lie. The second book is actually 80 pages. <laughs> and also an anthology. Yes, also an anthology. I assume because there was two, it was going to be two similar sized books. I never actually read the length of the second one, but the second one's an 80 page book. Uh, so, yes, the second one is DC The Doomed and the Damned issue one. Uh, so, this is obviously a the, almost twice the length of the other one. Uh, creators participating include uh, Carmen Maria Mikado, who just did uh, Lolo Woods. Uh, mm -hmm. And then we got Marv Wolfman, Ken Porter, John Crudy. Uh, Saladin Ahmed, who typically has been doing Marvel stuff, so that's an interesting uh, yeah. one there. Uh, Alyssa Wong and Travis Moore. Uh, we got artist Riley Rosmo. Of course. <laughs> Wouldn't be one of these books without him. He's oh. always one of the artists on these big books. Mike Perkins, who I do like. Uh, Leonardo Manco, Travis Moore, and Tom Mandrake. Uh, so, 
yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, read the, I'll read the description for this book because this one obviously has I mean the other one's obviously a bunch of Swamp Thing stories whereas this is obviously more of a, a widespread thing uh, what happens when Batman encounters a true urban legend after speaking its name three times in a mirror wait we're doing Candyman <laughs> or Bloody Mary sure or when Madame Zadu enlists the help of Man Bat to take down as that says take town that's a typo they've yeah. they've made a typo either here. way you say man bat and you got my attention yeah take down a shadowy specter uh, reads DC synopsis for the anthology and who could stop the intergalactic demon from turning people into frog beasts only the unlikely team up of Green Lantern and Etrigan uh, all this and more seven fantastic tales uh, to trick no, your all, treats. All this and seven more tales. Oh, seven so, more tales, sorry. So it's, what, ten in total? Yeah, eight pages each, give or, you know, on average, uh, give or take. Sounds about yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, you know, usually I'm hesitant with these, you know, because of, the, you know, the length and having time to read it, but these, those three that they led with... <laughs> uh, I, I really hope Riley Rosmo isn't on one of the ones I'm interested in. <laughs> yeah... Yeah. Uh, as, Although that said, his, his style lead, lends itself to horror, so maybe it'll give it a different type of vibe. You know, versus him trying to draw straight up regular superhero stuff. Potentially. Yeah. I think uh, it's you know. interesting to me that they're coming both coming out so early in October. They're like the, the 6th and the 13th, respectively. So, you mm-hmm. know, the first couple of weeks. I guess the idea... I'd assume the idea is that the comic shops can try and flog them for a few weeks. You know, they get a bunch of enough shelf copies they can try and say, mm-hmm. here's some Halloween-themed material for the whole month. Yeah. I guess. I guess. Well, I, I have seen... Halloween gets earlier and earlier every year, so I've seen, you know, Halloween and July stuff popping up. So... That's uh, just maybe, wrong. Maybe the appetite's just shifting to where they're like, hey, we don't have to get it close to the holiday. We'll just celebrate all month long. Like mm. you saying. Yeah, so uh, those are both out in October. Uh, I also imagine maybe there'll be like one of the deceased issues or something will maybe come out towards the end of the month, maybe. Mm-hmm. That's what they did last year. They kind yeah. of gi- they gave us two that month. Yeah. Uh, they have been early in the month uh, so far in Solicits, but I wonder if they either give us two in October or maybe change things up. Maybe like a supersized issue at the end of the month or something. I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, so we've got a couple of horror specials there. Um, this is up to, uh, this all thing I've got is actually from over a week ago, but obviously we didn't have an episode last week, so. Uh, but uh, this is uh, the Batman Earth One Volume Three is apparently finished and just waiting for a release. Uh, uh, Jeff Johns has said that the the work on it's completely done. Uh, it's just waiting until they want to actually put it out. So, uh, I I really enjoyed Volume One of this. I, I still haven't read Volume Two, but I'm uh, glad Volume Two is really good. Uh, well, I say that as a Two Face fan because it's Two Face intensive. Um, but no. The first volume was really good because it didn't do what the other Earth ones were doing, where it tried to reinvent Batman for modern times. It just told a fresh Batman story. Like, yeah, he, you know, John switched stuff around and Birthday Boy was a new villain, right? But it wasn't trying, like, from what I've read of Superman Earth 1. Um, Which is uh, you know, more, more than or, you want to. Yeah, or or Teen Titans Earth 1, which I didn't enjoy despite it being Lemire and the Dodsons. Yeah, it wasn't um, good. Uh, Green Lantern Earth one was pretty solid. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I think I'll get around to that one. But yeah, my my friend Jared gifted me his two copies, his two hard cover copies of Superman Earth one. He just wanted rid the, of them. He did. It was like a cursed object, and now they're mine. Do you uh, know what? Sitting on my shelf. So. I'll say this: if you, if you didn't like Superman Earth one volume one, you thought yeah. oh, that, you didn't like that much. You thought it was pretty bad. Yeah. It'll seem like gold after you read volume two. Yeah, that, yeah, that's the thing. Looking back now, Earth one, the, the first one, it's not 
terrible. It's like fundamentally flawed, but it's mm. not like terrible. The second one is so much worse. Yeah, see, I don't like that. And that's why I feel like Morrison's action comics, his first felt more like what an Earth one should be. And that's kind of like what Johns did. He kind of reconfigured Batman's origins and made it fresh, kind of like what Morrison did with that action comics run, you know? Um, so, yeah. yeah. Anyways, read read uh, the Batman ones, which is weird for me to say. Don't read the Superman ones, read the Batman ones, and you're, you'll be in good shape. Yeah. Uh, so that was pretty much all I had. Connor said he had another one or two, so... Uh, just um, one of those things from the early solicits that it isn't like supernova, but um, it, it confirms that Tynan is staying on Batman for issue you know, 101 onwards, because for a okay. long time it was rumoured that we were getting a new number one with a new writer. Uh, obviously, this was back when it was 5G plans. Uh, I'll, but I'll we didn't bet. know if it was going to... You know, obviously, okay, Tynan, you had a plan up till 100, because uh, that's when Joker War ends, and it was always... Mm. Uh, you know, I assume when he took the job, it was a interim writer job, and I wonder if it's like, hey, do you want to just stay on? I'll be honest. I, uh, I'm i a little surprised that after issue 100, they're not going to legacy numbering. I was kind of expecting it with Batman because they did it with Flash and Wonder Woman. And I felt like if it was yeah. going to be a time to do it, it was going to be, okay, like, get to 100, it's... celebrate your 100s, and then be like, okay, now it's issue 800 and something. We'd be close to, like, what, 850, 900 by now, Batman? Yeah, we're, we're definitely remember... in the 800s. I remember when 700 hit, because Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman all hit 700 within months of each other. And I remember. Um, yeah. Well, so we're, definitely, yeah, we're definitely in the 800s, because we had that yeah. variant cover when they actually hit it. So, uh, yeah, right. we, yeah, we must be kind of approaching the mid-800s by now. Yeah. Right. The, um, the only other things uh, that I'd say about uh, Batman 101 is, on the downside, March is still on art. So, Ooh. yeah, still with that. Um, something that I do think is a little bit interesting is is they're bringing in Grifter, uh, as in you know, the, mm. the the Wildstorm one, um, yeah. which obviously he had a book in the early days of the New Fifty Two, mm-hmm. but he hasn't been seen in a long time. I don't think. Not uh, like now. Probably someone to kill off. I don't. No, see, here's the thing though. I don't mind when they have a story reason to try to incorporate Wildstorm characters. You know, that's so why we got Apollo and Midnighter in DC, and those were pretty well liked. Um, they they fit seamlessly. Grifter is one of those weird ones because he doesn't really have a, uh, for lack of a better term, synonym character, like someone similar, like Apollo and Midnighter. Mm. Sure, uh, yeah. Did you guys read any of his New 52 book? Because it was weird. Yeah, I, I read it all. It, was, it wasn't terrible. Yeah. No, it was just like, this doesn't feel like it's New 52. Yeah. You know what I mean? It didn't it feel like it fit in. pretty distinct. I think a lot of those Wildstone books Wildstorm. did the, uh, yeah. what was the, the, the voodoo one? Yeah, there was Voodoo. I think it was called Voodoo, wasn't it? I think it was. Maybe it was just called Voodoo. I think that was uh, called The Edge. That was that section. That's where Deathstroke oh, yeah, was. Yeah. yeah. But was... Um, in, in this, they've got Grifter working for Lucius Fox is, yeah. is part of the story. Um, which cool. I'm intrigued by. Okay. Uh, is that the news then? Is that pretty much it? I mean, actually, though, there's one thing. Actually, someone tweeted something as... Uh, and I'm forgetting mm-hmm. who at this point. I'm sorry. <laughs> but... is, it about the, is it about the Justice League? No, and no, this is about Flash. Yeah, it was about Flash, Flash Forward. Uh, so basically, in the trade for Flash Forward, uh, I'm, I'm saying that name right. That was, that was the name of that book, the Wally yeah. book. Yeah. yeah okay. Just, just double check because I wasn't 100 yeah. sure. Uh, so basically, they're putting that uh, the free comic book day Generation Zero thing, and that is like an extra. 
And uh, my, my immediate reaction to this was, well, this is basically confirming that they're not doing anything with it because this is like a this is like a deleted scene on a DVD. This is yeah. just here's something we made. We're not using it anymore, but you can see what it was like. Yeah, I I did read someone who did like an actual analysis on on it. Um, it seems like they might have rewritten it a little bit for the trade and mm. had it to do more with multiverses rather than time. Okay. Uh, okay. In, in what it was originally going to be, okay. I haven't really looked into it properly because okay. I didn't really want to read it because you know yeah but i mean you know seeing, seeing what happened in death metal one that would make sense just to br- make it a bridge thing you yeah. know so it's not a deleted scene like pete's saying but even if it is i mean where why wouldn't you put it in there because it does it is an epilogue to that story yeah so. uh so i mean none of us are going to actually get the trade to read it <laughs> <laughs> nope. maybe if you pay me double double what the the cover price is so then i can also buy something else you know (laughs) cover price to pay for the book the rest is the time that it will take you to read the seven pages that's all it is seven pages yeah 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 so seven pages i I think fifty dollars a page sounds quite reasonable quite frankly Uh, yeah why not Uh, all right, there you go. That's uh, that's basically the news. Uh, you know, not a lot of stuff. I, I imagine that maybe the reason why those October specials went out like a week earlier, because usually you know the, the preview things from the solicits and the build up to the solicits. I wonder if the reason why we got those like a week earlier is maybe because they've got a couple of big things to actually announce next week before the solicits. Maybe. It it was like getting the because we got the Batman and the tech solicits that uh, you know like they 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 give them out to different websites mm. early usually. Um, so you know, Newsarama had the the Batman ones there. That's what made me think, oh, I get they're they're coming this week because those are usually only a couple of days before. Um, or it used to be uh, when we used to get solicits on a Monday, they used to come out on the Friday before. Um, mm. Where now, obviously, we tend to get solicits on a Friday. So when I saw these, I thought, oh, they must be coming. No, no, they'll be next week though for sure. So yeah, uh, we will uh, dive in uh, then. So. Uh... Yeah, I mean, we could pretty much get started on the books, but we have a lot of books this week, so I don't necessarily mm-hmm. mind starting on them early. Uh, no. So we can get wired then. Uh, we will start off with the headliner, uh, which is Deceased Dead Planet, issue one, Tom Taylor writing with Trevor here saying on the R. Obviously the same team, same duo from the original book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say this has a lot to live up to, not necessarily because of the original Deceased, but because Inkillables was so freaking good. Yeah. <laughs> this has to step up a little bit. You know, I, I know these are smaller, like, miniseries, right? They're all about seven. You know, the other one was three. Mm-hmm. But these almost just feel like next chapters and are ongoing at this point. Um, and then I read I read the... the what, What's the... I always forget the name. Oh, but well, um, the, Yeah, it wasn't. So I read that earlier in the week because I, I put it off from last week. And then I read this, and there were so many overlapping that I was like, "Did Taylor do this on purpose?" Like, Probably. It, because... Honestly, it, it kind of feels like they're trying the 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 Hellboy model sort of thing. Yeah. With these series. Well, yeah, but they also feel like I don't know. This this could have just this could just be called Deceased instead of the subtitles, and then it just it feels like an ongoing at this point. You know. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, even though there's breaks in between or whatnot, it, it, I mean, I guess you're right with the Hellboy model or even the image model where they just, when there's a story, it'll come back out. Yeah. And it doesn't even you know? feel like there's been that much break time mm. between them because it was only like a month or two off after the first yeah. one until we got Unkillables. And obviously that was every other month. 
Right. I mean, I think it's, 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 basically, it's basically as simple as the, you know, the power deceased, it was probably just meant to be like a one-off thing, but it, it did really well. So very quickly it was like, okay, do you have more ideas for this? And Taylor probably said, yeah, I do have more ideas. Let me do more ideas. Yeah, we're going to rip your hearts out and show it to you, Molaron style. Yeah. In this one. Uh, so, yeah, so this is actually following up. This is, you know, years later, five years, I think it said. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically the story is kick-started. I mean, there's a couple of pages of Constantine being miserable in the Oblivion Bar, but the, the real kickstart to the story is that Cyborg's head, which and he's still kind of active, you know, he's still alive, yeah. <laughs> just his head, uh, sends out a signal for help to, to you know, to, to Earth 2, as we, we find out it's called, mm-hmm. uh, in Morse code. And we come here, and you know, so, so I think it was uh, David, uh, you know, the one who makes uh, Connor Reed Redhood, uh, who said to me this week that this is kind of what 5G probably should be. Uh, mm-hmm. And, that uh, you know, we, we cut to Earth 2, and we have John as Superman, we have Damien as Batman. Uh, and it's, you know, the, them operating together. And again, you know, Taylor, as he often does with his dialogue, very quickly makes it very endearing. And, um, you know, it's something as simple as Damien wanting to pull out spleens, but then them debating if they even have spleens. And... Well, and then John being his father's son, like 2AT, mm. dealing with, you know, trying to have the diplomatic. And, and Damien, I don't want to say he's just being Bruce's son, he's being Damien. <laughs> Right, that headstrong look doesn't look before he leaps, and they still have that dynamic even as as like as they're not quite adults, right? They're early twenties, so they're young adults, hmm. and so it's still familiar enough of the John and Damien, but they're in their father's, you know, uh, footsteps. Yeah, right, it, it definitely feels like they've still got their own you know banter, like where when uh when Damien you know kicks one of them. Mm-hmm. And you just hit, uh, you know, Jungle. What was that? He's like nothing. Sounded like a boot yeah. to the face. And he's just a sh- stupid superhero. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. Still, still sounds all... like them, but they've been forced to grow up quicker than mm-hmm. you know they, they really should have. And we find out that Lois is uh, <laughs> the the president of Earth Two, which I'm sure Matt is delighted As by. As you do. Yeah, yeah. of course. Uh, but they uh, get this signal, uh, of course, from Cyborg, and uh, they you know they're sort of debating whether not to go back. O- you know, Ollie thinks it's maybe a bad idea. But he's essentially outvoted. Like, you know, uh, Dana says, oh, yeah, right, Ollie, we should vote. And he's like, that's not what I was saying. <laughs> um, well, I like that he said, too. He's like, well, you voted for to come, too. He's like, yeah, I'm not going to be the only person with my hand down to the kids. Like, I have to set an example still. So yeah. I like how he's, you know, trying to be the I, role model, which Ollie is not a role model. So I like that dynamic there. Yeah. You know? he, he's always been the the intentional outsider, the, the, the rebel yeah. to the system. So mm-hmm. him here being the the old man, essentially having to be the example, is is tough for him. Yeah, and this is like I'm not gonna do that. And him and Canary have this real nice moment with with the sword, which I I had spaced about. And then when I saw the green edge, I was like, oh yeah, this was that sword, yeah. you know, the God Killer, basically. And... I uh, I loved and hated this entire scene because I'm like, yeah. oh, this is so good. And then I'm like, oh, this is too good. Yep. Yeah. Like, it's get your you know, hackles up. They're, the this scene is... ends with them being like, you know, I, I'll bring you back. And I'm like, oh, God, they're not coming back. Well, nope. this is the thing. We ended Deceased and so many people die in Deceased that we get to this one and it's like, yeah, the people who survived that first time, yeah, they may actually die now. Like, you, those people who you thought were safe are, are probably when, doomed. When you look at the first page, there's a whole string of Justice League that's been zombified. Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman, Flash, Aquaman, uh, Martian Manhunter. Like I'm like that. That's a, you know, that's a heavy hitter. That's like almost Morrison's big seven there. 
you know, Green Lantern. Eh, although it's it's Hal, not Kyle. So yeah, the the stakes are there, and you have this new generation, and you know, uh, Dinah as the Green Lantern, which is still something that's you know, uniquely Tom Taylor. Yeah, but oddly, oddly fitting. Yeah. Uh, but like you said, mm-hmm. the scene was really sweet, like her like getting down on the knee and presenting him with the sword because she has the magic ring, and he's like, I don't have anything. <laughs> and she's, she's like, yeah, yeah, I get it, you're big ego. Here's a, here's a, here's a sword so you could feel manly and you can, whatever. Here, you can hold the sword. It's wielding a sword. You know, I, mm. I like that. Like, they have their banter. Like, Taylor is in that, there, there are certain writers that are just, they have banter nailed. And I think we safe to say Taylor's probably the top of them right now. Yeah, me. I think it's impressive as well that he manages to make banter feel unique across different characters. It's not just plug and play Tom Taylor banter. No, 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 no. Because because Harley is... banter is completely different than Diana and Ollie banter. Yeah, it's so. And, and then even deceased Harley that we got to see in the first part versus Harley and Suicide Squad's different. You know, yeah. so yeah. Yeah, and so Superman's still eating the sun, so they mention that the Earth is actually gradually getting colder uh, because the sun is essentially being consumed by evil... Yeah, because Kilowog's on on guard duty. And, uh, yeah, so basically they relieve Kilowog, or they relieve the Green Lanterns, uh, and they go go in, and although before they do get in, uh, there's like something coming from the Earth, and I'm sure Matt's heart broke for this, which is uh, Crypto survived and flies out to John. Yeah, greets him, and I went, "Oh no!" Now, now I'm doing the thing my wife does, where the dog better survive, or I'm gonna eat this. <laughs> you know, because now you just introduce that. Um, yeah, uh, it gets dodged there towards the end for, for crypto. I gotta mm-hmm. say, yeah. So they find Cyborg's head, and he's he's kind of speaking in broken patterns. They have to use the lasso to kind of even get anything out of him. Um, did you guys try to decipher the Morse code before they do it in the book? Cause, cause I did. No, no. ma, yeah. you're such a nerd. <laughs> I know. Sorry, I was like, that's Morse code. Let me, let me. So I pull up a, a thing. And I was like, oh, it's JL. And then I turned the page and went, oh, well, he just would have told me. <laughs> of course, he was going to tell you. <laughs> I was like, there's something more to this. Uh, the dollar bill's talking to me. If, if it had got to the end uh, of yeah. the issue and it hadn't told us, then maybe I'd have looked. Yeah, I. Uh, I can't help it. I'm like I'm like Ron Swanson when it comes to scavenger hunts. Mm-hmm. I see a puzzle. It, even if I'm not confident I'm going to figure it out, I'm going to try. Yeah, you know? so something that's been kind of a running theme, actually, ever since it happened, uh, happened in Kellobos, is that Wonder Woman makes a big entrance, right? A big scary yep. entrance. Uh, their ship's going down, immediately things are going bad, and then you get this full-page spread of Wonder Woman just ripping into Oliver. And, you know, and obviously, the, the, the early on the issue set you up for the pain of this. It was like, no, what are you doing? It, and, it caught me off guard, because I I thought it would be later in the series. Mm. Yeah, not not right away, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so here's the, th- here's the thing, though, a little detail I love. I, I don't remember if this was in the first volume, but I loved uh, the Canary Cry being green now. Uh, that was such a simple little change to, like, what that usually looks like. Yeah. Uh, give, give it a vibe that I really liked. Yeah. Uh, so Diana goes absolutely mental on, like, you know, zombie Wonder Woman. She's, you know, big giant hand with the, the green and then, like, the sword, and she's just going for it. And John comes in and basically blocks the sword hit, gets stabbed through the shoulder, which actually makes me kind of worry that when they pull the blade out, that it, some of the blood from Wonder Woman might go into John's bloodstream, and that could be, like, a, an issue they yeah, have to deal with. Yeah, because they keep... 
they keep making a big deal like with Lois and John that mm-hmm. you were frustratingly your your father's son. And mm-hmm. and so I'm just like, do not yeah. give me evil Superman on again. That, on that subject, I love that line where he said, uh, you know, stop calling me Superman. She says, we'll stop earning it then. Yeah. Uh, that, was a, oh. that was a nice beat. Uh, That's great. So the, the big cliffhanger, though, is that what Cyborg's trying to tell them, what, and John's the only one who's heard it because of the super hearing, which, again, mm-hmm. was brought up and, you know, reminded of all that we had super It's one of those things that they wouldn't have needed to because everyone knows Superman has super hearing, right? So yeah. they didn't need right. to, but just because, okay, this is John, we're just going to clarify in case you're not familiar that it's mm-hmm. the same. Yeah. Uh, well, even if you know, it's not even just so much about that. It's just that you're thinking about it. So when this happens later, it just it clicks into place so naturally without even having to you know, think about, oh, he's got super hearing. Uh, but it's like, the final line is, uh, well, there's a bit of narration after it, technically, but the final, you know, spoken word of dialogue is, Dinah, there's a cure. Which then makes me go, but all the people they had to, like, rip apart or kill because they were dangerous, like, all those people could have been saved. <laughs> yep, and that's and that's where the horror of it comes from, right? That's, that's like, the tragedy, yeah. Uh, yeah, so... But even more than that, what if they do cure Wonder Woman, though? How many people is Wonder Woman killed that she's going to have to remember killing? If she remembers well, if, that. If she remembers, which I... I if I feel like you, you would, just for the sake of the story potential, right? Yeah, the drama. The, the, the misery yeah. is too much to, to ignore. Honestly, I'm not sure if Wonder Woman survived this or not. Because obviously it goes through John's shoulder, but it, it mm. looks like it's through Wonder Woman's throat. Yeah, it kind of does. Uh, which again makes us, I mean, it was Dinah's going to have all these complex feelings of, well, she just killed yeah. Ollie, but then she finds out, well, maybe she doesn't actually have to die. We could have brought the real Wonder Woman back. The, the, maybe there's the hope that, that Ollie can be saved now because he's not in yeah. pieces. Yeah. No, he's just ripped into. And so the other thing that gets me here too with, with the the cure uh, of Wonder Woman is she's way too big of a threat to leave just hand, hanging out around there. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, even if you can't cure her, Unless you completely dismember her, she's going to be trying to kill you. Like she's not going to stop. Yeah. So, and you know, I think what, what I really like about this as well is it, is it it gives us a sense of hope of mm-hmm. oh, there's a cure, which whoa, whoa, which whoa, means whoa. we are going to be crushed. Whoa, 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 yeah. I was going to say, what do you mean you like that it gives us hope? No, no, no. I hate that it gives us hope because <laughs> it's just hope that they can take away and no, tarnish I, later. I, I like it from a storytelling potential in Tom Taylor's hands because I know, yes. oh, this is going to be well, so much that, more brutal that's the than double, I thought it was going to be. That's the double hit of this, though, is that you feel like, oh, my God, there's hope. But then you realize, you, you think about how many have already died and how much this could have mm. helped millions of people you know who tom taylor is have you ever seen that video of the guy that gets the frisbee and then throws it over the highway and his friend's like what the f kevin that tom taylor is is the guy throwing the frisbee but the frisbees are hope and he has it and he's just gonna throw it over the highway you know so yeah it's one of those things about horror i remember as a kid realizing i didn't like horror because it made me feel bad and then you know as I got more into like slasher movies that are just kind of roller coastery fun, disposable, it still doesn't sit well with me. The the bad feelings of horror, uh, like uh, the movie The Invitation, has has something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, fantastic movie ending makes me feel like garbage. <laughs> so and that's all good horror, right, Pete? Oh yeah, oh yeah, misery. If you're not feeling miserable by the end, it's not yeah. a nice job. Uh, so no, uh, unsurprisingly, deceased, uh, dead planet is you know, it's just a solid, fantastically done issue with heavy hitting beats, great character interactions and moments. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and you know, I, I just I can only imagine kind of the, the the beats that it's going to hit by the time we get a couple of issues into it, uh, because you no, know, I will still say I, I think issues two and three of Unkillables are still my two favorite things out of the entire deceased, uh, you know, saga, if mm-hmm. you will. But yeah, play a time to get there. Play a time to make me care about things. Yeah, and, and this is rip is this away. seven issues as well? It is, yes. So okay. it's an extra issue to the the first one. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, because the first one technically had seven because you had the the Constantine. The one shot, yeah. One shot. So, yes. Yeah. It's so that's why I was wondering. Yeah. It's, just, it's so fascinating to me because I, I, you know, I said this during Killables, but the idea that the, the first miniseries, while very good, was very much kind of like, oh, what if the, the, the zombie thing attacked the DC Universe? And it was almost all the obvious beats just to do because... That you you know, whereas I feel like Unkillables and now this is actually like it's exp- really exploring story potential after you've set it, everything up. Yeah, the first one is I want to set up this world, so it's a story I have to tell to get there. But it seems like Taylor's way more interested in telling the story of survival, of like th- this is the world now, right? Mm. And this is how our all the characters that we've got to know and love over you know years of fandom, how are they dealing with it? And then the fact that he's using Damien and John as this next generation um, versus, you know, the the typical next generation, you know, your Dicks and Wallies and, and that, who are a little bit older, who, who we think the mantle's going to, right? But the fact that we've jumped them to these guys, um, I think that's really interesting. Makes a lot of a heart more. But I think what this sort of solidifies for me in a very specific way, and it's something I've always had a sense of from Taylor, is that, he just kind of gets it. He get he gets mm-hmm. what we fall in love with and what we love about comic books and characters because it would have been very easy because so much of deceased world, barring John and Damien, is very Silver Age in terms of it's you know it's all these or not even Silver Age maybe just pre uh, Flashpoint right it's post crisis kind of world mm-hmm. uh, with a lot of that continuity seemingly intact give or take but John and Damien are there right and we have this idea of John being Superboy and. The fact that he he's mixed those things together is a it's just it feels like he he gets what everything what we love about everything from pre Flashpoint, but then there's also these elements from from Rebirth that we also love that we've grown attached mm-hmm. to, and it's it's mixing all these things together. It just feels like there's a, a nuance there where it's not just black and white. It has to be this era or that era. It's like no no no. There's clearly things from every era that have that have stood the test of time. Uh, New Fifty Two being the one exception where I don't I don't really want anything from it, but. <laughs> <laughs> I know there, there's some decent stuff from New 52. We've yeah, had this debate before, but I don't know. This and Pete's a terrible person. Uh, yeah, yeah, there's some stuff. I don't want all of it. Like if, like I feel like a lot of the stuff from Rebirth we would have got to, you know, the John, the Damians, and whatnot over time. Um, versus stuff of the New 52 is just a sidetrack that you didn't have to go on, you know, uh, National Lampoon's Vacation style. You're like, oh yeah, we we did all that, and the car is destroyed now. Versus Damians like, that's like right, a. An easy one to point. I go, no, we would have got uh-huh. here. John is a little murkier, right? Yeah. Well, maybe. I mean, he did. I mean, that he did come from convergence. Like, that was where Churgan's plan of the seat. So yeah, you can make the argument, but I also still feel without where we are, where we were, it was just natural for Lois and Clark to have a kid. Yeah. I mean, anyway, it, it wasn't the, the point of what I was saying is not to go into you know what errors gave us. It was the point was just that Taylor seems to get and understand kind of what's what works from each era whereas dc editorial every time it does do a flashpoint or a crisis or whatever does seem to want to reshape things and just wants us to forget about certain things and that's what makes certain things so frustrating 
Uh, whereas here, mm-hmm. I feel like Taylor taps into all of it. Uh, so I guess what I'm saying is, is that he's a he's a fan first, uh, and that kind of shines through uh, everything he writes. So uh, yeah, and here's Saints Art. So, you know, here's Saints Art. It was the same as it was in the the original. I but I feel because it felt more familiar. Like I I feel it was a little bit more clean and whatnot. Like uh, it wasn't, or maybe because there was not as much zombie stuff. It wasn't of that scratchy style, you know. But it felt different. Yeah, so, it was, so good. It was the the odd face maybe here or there, but overall, yeah. all the the important beats especially really mm-hmm. landed. Um, like uh, Dinah crying as she flies off with the sword towards Wonder Woman. Yeah, great moment. Yeah. Uh, all right, Matt, what are you giving to see Dead Planet uh, issue one? How many is a nine? Connor. Yeah, nine. Yeah, nine. All right. <laughs> Batman. 94, James Tynion the fourth writing Oof. with Gillen March and Raphael Albuquerque on the art. What a, what, what a catch-22. <laughs> it's so frustrating opening with, with some, some lovely Albuquerque art, right? And, and then... And then... Descending. Yeah. Into March. <laughs> now, without Albuquerque, I don't think the art stuff would... Or the March stuff would stand out as much, right? For it's, not, it's, not, it's not his worst uh, in this book. No, and I and I feel like we always kill March, but I don't. I feel like I don't know. Maybe I'm just getting, you know, I'm I'm losing my sensitivity to it because we're seeing it more and more. That's how he wins. I I understand, but at the same time, it's not as bad as it was when it started, right? But you put it against Albuquerque, and you're like, like you're doing yourselves a disservice, guys. Because yeah. there's clearly a difference. Honestly, here. It doesn't meld. The best thing going for March's art is that I still have to read uh, GRGR in action, and by default. March's art feels not as bad. Better, so yeah. Um, it does have though, just despite how overall I would say I'd agree that the March's stuff is better in this issue than it has been in other issues. Mm-hmm. It does have one particular moment which is one of his worst yet. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Which, okay, we'll get there, I guess. So this yeah. entire issue, uh, well, it kind of feels at the start of an arc. It's also it's actually built as the end of an arc, which makes sense because we're at a Joker War. So I guess this is kind of the, right. the you know, it feels like proper serialized Batman storytelling where you know the arcs kind of build into each other and so on and so on. Um, this issue has a very specific goal and a very specific thing that it wants to do, which I kind of appreciate. I appreciate the focus of it all kind of building up to one kind of final beat at the end and everything from before that is kind of you know, narratively, at least in, from the narration point of view and, and how Bruce is thinking about things kind of building to that. Uh, you know, we start with him talking about the, the final person he wanted to learn from and his sort of, you know, his time before he became Batman, before year one. And, you know, I, I really hope they don't do anything bullshit here because I was a little bit worried at one point they were going to, like, t- with some sort of twist that this guy, this, this baker that he goes after was actually going to turn out to be the, the designer or something stupid like that. No, uh, this is... Not Sherlock Holmes. Yes, yeah, so that's clearly yeah, yeah. Baker. Sherlock inspired. Yeah. Uh, so, what's the deal with the cities? Am I missing something here? Well, in in the cities. Yeah. So Bruce says that he used to draw these cities. Was he just oh, drawing the, them on the little on, Gotham's? Yeah. Was was he just drawing them on scrap paper? Because when he goes to see Baker, Baker has a room covered in them. Unless I read that. Uh, it looks like it's scrap paper because one of them he's just there it's it's almost like it's just drawn on a napkin while he's at the yeah. cafe okay. on that very first that very first page um so yeah i guess they are a lot of just scrap paper yeah this okay. is kind of bruce meeting someone who 
obviously doesn't learn from because the whole point of this is that he refuses to train him. But this is someone who, if if you if you're taking like each person that you learn from in terms of what part mm-hmm. of Batman they they contribute to, this is the person who right. always planned for everything as the detective, right? This is the one who, uh, you because know, he goes into that room and it's kind of like his Batcave full of all of his evidence, and it's like, but you have evidence from like drawings I've done and blah blah blah. Uh, but obviously we cut back to reality and it's it was Batman crawling, uh, on the floor with the the, the blade in his leg. In the room, of course, which we mentioned last time, is is the room where you know he's like, "Father, I shall become a bat." It's, it's that room in the manor, um, mm-hmm. which feels more intentional by the time we get to the end of this issue. Uh, it's, yeah, it's actually yeah, it's just very well uh, set up in that sense. Um, and you know, the art of this page is is pretty fine, I think, to be honest. Uh, you know, because uh, this is March, right? Like this is this is yeah, not... yeah. This is uh, this present day is where we shifted to March. Uh, this is some of the the best stuff March has ever done, to be honest. In my eyes, this page. Uh, yeah, I I really dislike his his Batman's chin, <laughs> which does not uh, go against me. Say it's the best thing March has ever done. <laughs> No, that's true. It's just it's just distracting. Um, it is. It's very. It reminds me of Quarter Owl stuff, and I don't know why. Like, hmm. it he reminds me of an owl, not a bat. He's got that big long chin. Sure. I kind of get where you now. Now that you're saying yeah. that, I can, I can kind of place the 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 link of the memory. Although I couldn't yeah, specifically right? tell you what it was. Me neither. But hmm. there is. I mean, I, I do love some of the details here from a storytelling perspective, not in the art, but in. The idea that much like in year one, you know, Bruce was going to ring the bell so Alfred would come and save him. Uh, the bell's on the table. I, I like that we actually see it in this case. Because you know, in year one, we never see Alfred actually come. It's kind of like a, not a mystique, but like an off-panel kind of thing where right. Bruce just makes the choice and that's the important part of the story. It's not about Alfred coming again. But I do kind of like we see that Lucius runs in with a with a case and he tries to patch him up and he's like, you have to go to the hospital, you're using too much blood, this is terrible. Uh, but everything obviously is going AWOL because Joker's taking all of his money, he's seizing the manor. So just to just go back to the bell, I thought it was interesting that he didn't ring the bell and Lucius just happened to come in anyway, right? Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think that, that that was really notable for me here in that, you know, he he made, he didn't actually make that choice and got saved regardless. Well, I think that's a thematic thing, but I, I don't think he ever actually has to consider ringing the bell in this case because why would he even expect Lucius to... Like be there to answer a bell call. He's not Alfred. He doesn't just have out in the manor. No, that's fair. It's just the way you know. You know, it, it's really looking at it. It's it's intentionally reminding you of it, and then he does nothing, uh, and and is saved anyway. So I think it's thematically still that important. Well, wasn't Lucius on the way because he was talking to him, right? Uh, maybe so, a last issue, but he's he's still talking yeah. to him in this issue. Right, but I do love the Lucius going. You know, I can't be Alfred and me. Like, if I wasn't so worried dealing with you, I would have been able to catch the Wayne stuff here on, on the business side, mm. you know? And it, it kind of made it, for me, made it feel Bruce kind of hopeless because now this is the first time he's really feeling Alfred's absence that has actually changed how Batman operates. Yeah. Uh, he demands to know where... I say demands. As if, as if, you know what? Lucius won't tell. But, you know, he, he, he wants to know where, where Selena is. Uh, she's in an ambulance on the way to the hospital, uh, and he wants to talk to her on the phone. Uh, and it's kind of a heartfelt thing because they call each other cat and bat, and they mention that they've not said that to each other in a while. Uh, so obviously, Titan Pain homage to to King's. Yeah, run. I don't think it's been said in kind and stuff at all yet. Yeah, Mm-mm. so it had, had a little bit of a little bit of impact, uh, but 
so so this issue kind of as he starts to tell selena here is he's you know batman realizing that he's kind of you know as he explains through his narration after this as well this idea that he uh he, he in trying to basically turn into what alfred wanted him to be you know by taking the drawings and being because alfred always said oh this was your your hope of a brighter future of a city but in reality what bruce was actually doing was he was just drawing the city of his nightmares uh that he was obsessed about, you know, from the night his parents died. And basically by trying to be what Alfred wanted him to be, he kind of lost who he was instead, and that's kind of how mm-hmm. everything's been able to one-up him here. Um, and... Don't it, know if I like that. Uh, I I kind of do. Well, especially when he ties it back into the, the you know, when he talks about the, you know, Baker, right? This idea that mm-hmm. Baker wanted him to fail because he didn't want him to be better than he was. And he, he, he talked about, you know... T- he never, you know, he didn't quite understand yet what he had to do to be himself and not just be a copy of him. And it was, it kind of ties that into the, yes, father, I shall become a bat, which leads to the, the big moment at the end. Um, and I do like the, the sort of dramatic final point that we get at the end, which is obviously he essentially has that moment with, but instead of asking for, for his father's guidance, he asked for Alfred's guidance, which I think yeah, pulls on some heartstrings. Like yeah. I, uh, I really like the idea and the beat of it. I hate the actual line. You know, I will become a better bat. That was mm-hmm. kind of terrible. Cheesy. Isn't it yeah. cheesy? It's, well, I, I wouldn't say it's terrible. Like, it fits. It's just the way that it's played is it's a little bit overly dramatic. It's, right? just, it's like such it's... a, like, a self-serious issue. Um, intentionally so, and in a good way, right? Uh, dealing mm-hmm. with the ramification of everything that's just happened. And then this really cheesy over-the-top line at the end. I just, oh, no, that was kind of terrible. Uh, I disagree. I kind of, I kind of love the last page. If I'm honest, <laughs> but um, I, I, it spoke to, it spoke to my uh, sensibilities. It pulled on my heartstrings. How, him saying what he once said about his dead father, about Alfred, kind of, it, it, because the, the whole thing with the Waynes is that they've always been kind of this thing that you know, this this pair of characters who have died before the story. Right? Obviously, we have a lot of flashbacks. We see them die over and over again because mm-hmm. the writers can't help themselves. But ultimately, it's always this reverence of, you know, like, you know, yes, father, I shall become a bat. So it's one thing for us to t- often talk about Alfred kind of being his new father. And every time they sort of, like, bring that up, you know, I remember when R.I.P. happened and there was this, like, this this message from Alfred saying that he's, you know, the, or from Bruce saying, you know, you know, I had two fathers. And there's been all times where we see Alfred say, oh, I just lost my son. And there's been these references throughout these big stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, but ultimately, the, the, almost the, the biggest, like, accolade you could give Alfred is to say that his his death is just as important as as the Wayne's yeah. as to Bruce, right? So, and, and that's what I like, and so that's the whole. When I said I didn't like it, him saying that he was trying to be what Alfred wanted him to be, not what he wanted to be. Yet now he's going to turn around and try to honor Alfred by being better. It just it feels like a mixed message, right? I, I don't think it's mixed. I, I get what it's doing in that sense because the whole point yeah, is is that so. because the whole point is that. He, did, he wasn't supposed to just be a copy of Baker, right? He was supposed to be his own version of whatever Bruce is. And right. the, the idea being that he can't just be whatever Alfred's vision of him is to be. He has to be whatever he, Bruce is, whatever Batman is on his own. It's that realization uh, as opposed to... It's not about going against Alfred's wishes. Uh, well, it's not about Alfred's wishes, but it also... Tynan goes out of his way to show how important Alfred has been to Bruce. Right by by Lucius have telling him, you know, I can't be Alfred. He did way too much for you. Yeah, you know. So at, at the same time, he's trying to make Alfred's 
you know, influence mean a whole lot, but now Bruce is trying to get away from it as well. It's just, again, for me, it was a mixed message. It, it didn't quite land. Um, well, it's, it's not about uh, making Alfred less important. I mean, his influence is huge. It's, it's kind of like a mm-hmm. parent who, like, their kid has to do their own thing. They has to, like, sort of, you know, mm-hmm. fly the nest. But it doesn't nest. Obviously, their influence and their raising of the child is still super important. That's kind of what this is doing. It's Alfred is super important. He is, like, this mm-hmm. essential part of who Batman was and is. And this is. So it's not, it's not trying to diminish that. It's a separate kind of lesson, essentially. <laughs> Uh, I, I get where Matt's coming from, though. Putting yeah. both those two lessons into the same story, yeah. you know, with you know, pages apart from each other, feels a bit messy. I suppose. I suppose. Uh, so the big thing, though, setting up into the the new stuff is that Selina actually goes missing from the hospital, and Batman's you know is worried that Joker's got her, uh, and he's he's told Lucius to be careful. He tell, tells Lucius, Lucius' daughter to you know run home and hide and not, not open up. Uh, and there's some really dark dialogue from Joker and Punchline. Just talk because Joker's like, oh, "I'm such a good mood henchman. You can take out an entire hospital floor if you want." And then yeah. Punchline jokes that she's getting jealous because of how Joker's talking about Batman. She's like, "Hey, I'll make it up to you. I'll get you a whole district, and you can kill everyone inside." And she's like, "Yeah, that'll do. That'll make it up to me." Uh, really dark dialogue. Really selling the the absolute turmoil that's coming. And you know, Batman has to go sort of diving out the window to run away. Uh, there is a horrible page of Selina waking up. Her face this, is doing... This is the moment yeah. that I thought is one of March's worst yeah. in the book yet. Yeah, no, I, I can I can get on this. Uh, I will say I love this concept, though, that he introduces here, uh, Tynan, uh, with the Penguin basically giving a place for all the villains to hide out because whenever Joker's doing one of his big crazy ploys, they want no part of it. They just want to go and hide until yeah. the fire's done. Yeah, them talking about being... In, I'm using words exactly here in full lockdown and it's going to be a long summer. Uh, felt a little <laughs> on the nose. Oh well, yeah, maybe that was and intentional. I do feel that's him pulling from real life. Yeah, you know, and that, that's fine. Um, so who are the two fire guys? Because one of them's Firefly, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Is, yeah. The other one, Killer Moth. I assume so. Okay. Yeah. And then next to so. the one up on the top, that's Tiger Shark, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Who I got really I've not excited seen to see Tiger Shark. It's been a while. No, that was from from the black. Uh, was it the the black? Uh, help me out, Pete. Snyder's first run on Batman. Oh, uh, yeah, the 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 the, the black. <laughs> oh, I can't remember if it's glove or hand. It's the glove. It's the black glove. Yeah. Okay, because black hand was a Morrison thing. I, I, I was just trying to remember the two arcs because yeah. there was two arcs before it was yeah. Batman and Son, then Batman the Black Glove. That was the two arcs before RIP. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so he showed up the last few times. He was in. Uh, he was in an issue of Nightwing, wasn't he? He was, and he showed up yeah. in like an issue of uh, uh, like the Corval stuff. Uh, yeah, I think. Mm. So yeah, just wanted well. to see him, and we know that Tynan comes from Snyder's school of. You know, he was one of Snyder's kind of guys. He helped yeah. Shepard. So to see that character pop up, I thought it was a whole lot of fun. Um, and then when uh, uh, when Penguin says that the, the doctor worked on Cow, is he, is he talking about Pig? <laughs> For her Probably. sake, I hope not. Because <laughs> if that's the case, yeah. <laughs> Selena needs to watch out because he is not is, the best doctor. There is some camaraderie here that I kind of like of Penguin looking out for her a little mm-hmm. bit, even though he yeah. admits that she's not been on their side of the fence for a while. Obviously, Selena wants to go help Bruce, uh, and he's like, no, we're, we're locked in here. Um, I, I do think, obviously, the lockdown thing is a, a direct reference to the real world. I do think that it's going to be a long, bloody summer. 
it's kind of almost just like a tease of like yeah joker wars a summer event and then admittedly it's starting a little bit later than they intended but uh it feels like it's like a hey gear up we're about to go into the main event of the year uh for the batman comics and mm-hmm. uh so no i, I kind of i also kind of like how this almost i mean obviously joker doesn't necessarily need to be sold on as anymore we, we know his reputation we joker's a big deal he's the biggest villain in comics but I do kind of love the idea that the other villains are like, you know what, we just get out of the way, we don't want to be involved, we're all going to hide until it's over, until Batman's done his thing. Uh, and then obviously the, the dark little touch of him taking bets on which district's going to like die first and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, And then it's the final part with uh, Bruce uh, saying, yes, Alfred, I should become a better bat. Um, I agree the better, bar- b- better bat part of it's a little bit clunky, but I kind of like the callback to year one. Because at the start of the issue, I was kind of rolling my eyes. I was like, okay, we're referencing year one. How many writers love to year, you know, reference year one as the, when the better Batman story? Uh, but because it was building up to this, I kind of forgive it in retrospect because the whole point is kind of like giving Alfred this kind of value. Because again, I see this as th- them giving value to Alfred, not from saying we have to do it, go away from what Alfred wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so. Well, that, that works for me. Uh, obviously, the art is uh, varying shades of, of good to alright to terrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So quite, quite the you almost get whiplash at mm-hmm. some points. Yeah, you you really do. Just the turn of a page can be so drastic. Well, what got me though is that it was there was whiplash between March's own pages. It's one thing to expect it mm-hmm. from going from a good artist to March, but March just... was bouncing around so much on his own. I just don't trust him to draw the female form when there's less clothes involved. I don't trust you him know? to draw it when they're, they're completely covered head to toe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but we seem like the worst of it was his Selena in her skivvies, right? Like, yeah, the only that gets uh, me, though, is that he's had a lot of problems with, obviously, the, the, the female body. I, I think what gets me about that Selena page, though, is that the worst part of it is not even the body, it's that her face, it's the weird eyes yeah, and the jaw I, I think- and... Part of the problem comes you feel like he spent so much time getting the front part of the body sorted. Because look at, look at the, no, look the, at the like, face, the expression comes last. It's an afterthought. Yeah but, yeah, but even look at the shoulders. Look at the position that they're in that, that, to, to push her forward, that it just looks unnatural. Uh, like the way her shoulder kind of goes into her arm and into the collarbone, it, mm-hmm. uh, it just looks wrong. And I'm like, spend a bit more time on those bits of the body, please, March. Yeah, it's, it's always so funny is that King obviously, his writing got a little bit less consistent as the run went on with him, but he pretty much always had, had great artists. I think barring, like, there was one, yeah. like, Ramita Jr. arc, I think, but other than that, it was, it was, like, great yeah. artists, like, through and through, back to front, and I feel like, like... you know, like, Janin, Lee Weeks, yeah. Ornes... T- I'm actually really liking what Titan's doing overall with the run. It feels like a solid Batman run, and but, like, we've just been burdened with this Gillen March and, art for so much of it. Yeah, and like I'm trying not to sound shitty, but if you follow Tynan on social media, he's very excited to work with March and I just feel like I'm missing something. Is is he though, or is he just contractually obligated to say that? Well, I, 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 I don't know. I'm I I don't think it's for contractual obligation. I think it's a professional courtesy. You don't badmouth people you work with in public. No, but it there's a way that I don't know. He just, I guess maybe Tynan's just that guy. Maybe he's just that nice, you know, that he's putting them over a whole lot. Um, yeah, I mean, do, do you think he requested much, or was just DC like, this, like is, this is who we've got for you? I I feel like if you're writing Batman, I feel like you can make a little bit of decisions, and if you want, you know, 
over in action, I do feel like they're like, okay, Bendis, if you're getting both Superman books, you got to take JRJR. <laughs> no, I, I, don't, I don't think so. Bendis and, and JRJR, they have a history, don't they? Maybe. I don't... I can't tell you what they've worked on together just, before. Just admit that Bendis made a bad call. If, if, if it was his choice. I don't know if it was his choice. I mean, I, I think JRJR is quick and reliable uh, at getting things done in time, uh, which... Clearly, when it comes to copy art, isn't necessarily the the thing that makes for good art. Uh, yeah. You know, if an artist can actually hit monthly deadlines, and that's the, yeah, Ben JRJR uh, did uh, Avengers and uh, AVX with with Bendis. How how many issues though? Uh, I don't know. This article just it, it's just talking about you know it was just talking about them yeah. them reteaming and you know having a, yeah. a relationship in the past. I, I'll say that JRJR probably like is great on on the convention circuit doing quick little sketches. You know, like he probably has that down, like uh, not so much the panels of art. Mm. But yeah, I'm trying to be more positive. It's, it's you know, 2020. Trying to put positive stuff out there. Trying not to talk tr- trash too much, but sometimes they make it hard. Uh, <laughs> I love that's this is like two books that have spiraled into a tangent about a greater problem. But anyway, uh, all right, so Batman 94 then. Uh, so let's see how much uh, Connor underscores it compared to everyone else. <laughs> Matt, what are you giving it? I'm going to go 7.5. Connor? I'm only going a little bit. I think it's a solid 7. Okay, all right. Uh, I am... I'm actually also going to give it a 7.5, even though I clearly was a bit more positive on it. I think that the bad art just... Even though, like I said, some of the March's pages are actually the better, better than what he's been doing. Uh... I just, it, it just drags it down enough. Like if it, on story alone, I'd have probably been like maybe version towards the 8.5 or something like that, but I have to take it, take points off for the, uh, for the, the March chart. I just have to, uh, but there you go. Batman 84. Superman 23, Brian Michael Bendis writing with Kevin McGuire on the art. Hey, that's a, that's a good artist. Nice art. That's, good, that's, that's good ta- yeah. Something Great like. tandem here. Yeah. Uh, so... This is the start of a of a new arc, which is uh, interesting because mm-hmm. we kind of wrapped up the Rogozar stuff and the uh, like, you know, all, all, all the truth stuff, like all that was kind of done. And mm-hmm. it starts off. Um, I actually missed the, the 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 lettering here that said three weeks ago. The first time I read the first couple of pages, yeah. it wasn't until I got to the second flashback that I went, "Oh, that previous one was also set before," which made sense because it was clearly because I thought this this was like a Leviathan stuff. This uh this thing that shows up mm-hmm. at the DU. Because it was. I was like, I've seen yeah. this scene. Because I did the same thing where I missed. Yeah. So I was reading at work. Um, and when you have everybody talking, you kind of just focus on what you can. And so I went back a couple pages. I was like, oh, yeah, this makes so much more sense. Yeah. Um, so basically all the flashbacks are building up this uh, this entity that uh, bonds itself to this uh, this agent uh, that, that works at the EEO. Uh, which I actually really appreciate. Once I got to the end, I actually kind of liked how it built yeah. up to it through the, the various flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is Superman doing magic. So Bendis is hitting all these these aspects mm-hmm. of Superman. I feel like he has like a checklist and now he's got to magic. Uh, we're used to reading Justice League Dark when we got to the Lords of Order stuff. I can't remember. Because this... Okay, so this feels like very hand-in-hand hand with that down to this character, the the... the he is the, the overlord of the Lords of Chaos. He feels like when the Lords of Order got together with all the armor pieces, he feels like the 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 inverse of that. 
So I, and I don't know if it's been just like pulling from that or just similar thought, but I thought it was a really fun touch, especially because he goes to, you know, we get a uh, Khalid fate in this one. Yeah. Do you know what's funny, actually? Uh, when, I, when Dr. Fate showed up for a couple of pages, I went, I'm going to have to ask them mm-hmm. who's Dr. Fate right now, but then he took off his helmet yeah. and said who he was. So I was like, okay, no, no, yeah, never yeah. mind then. Never mind. Uh, so yeah, the, the main plot of the issue, I'll go, we'll go back to the villain stuff when I get to the, the bigger stuff at the end, mm-hmm. but the main plot is that Superman has an appointment with the Doctor uh, to the point where when Dr. Fate shows up at the, the Hall of Justice, he's like, the Doctor will see you now, very uh, enigmatically. Uh, Wonder Twins are there for a cameo. He runs into the, the most of the Justly Dark um, uh, is there something with Constantine here? This this bit where he calls, uh, he tells Superman not to talk about his name, uh, and calls him like Billy, I think, <laughs> at one point. I feel like he's messing with him okay. because he's, he's he's saying that it's it's Shazam, not Superman, ah, or something. Why okay. else would you call him Billy? Yeah, I got you confused know? here. I, I didn't get the joke here. To be honest, yeah. uh, I felt a bit of a well. I either. Either did I, and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm just going to go over this. I'm going to guess it's kind of a take on how much Shazam and Superman look alike, you know? Mm. Um, so, but yeah. Constantine knows this is post the truth, so he knows he's not. I, everyone knows. Know. One of my favorite jokes in the yeah. issue is uh, the Wonder Twins, where mm-hmm. it's like, oh, come on, stop with the Clark. It's, like, it's his name. Yeah. <laughs> I just... You know, I know Russell did the the Wonder Twins, but Bendis is taking the spirit of that book, mm-hmm. and whether it's them in Young Justice or right here, he just he nails Zan's whole, you know, laissez-faire attitude yeah. towards everything on Earth. So basically, so. Superman goes to the uh, Tower of Fate, and he wants Doctor mm-hmm. Fate to check him out because everyone's kind of worried about him. Uh, you know, Lois and and co Batman, all that sort of stuff. And he does he gives him like a mystical checkup and sees, oh, is there anything attached to you? Is there anything going on? And basically, it turns into more of a therapy session where Superman is kind of, you know, he's asking Superman questions about what he's been going through. And he talks about, you know, John sort of getting lost in space, coming back years older. And if it's eventually kind of breaking down and admitting that, you know, this, this kind of gets to him, that he, he missed some of those those years he was looking forward to of John's life. And uh, it was kind of a nice little, almost like, not recap, but like uh, exploration it, no, of everything that we've had since the start of Bendis' well, run. Well, not just that. And it's Superman's almost therapy. That he he needs to talk about this, but he's also so busy about being Superman, and I can't let anything bother me, and I just have to be positive and move on. But he it's starting to crack, and I liked seeing that from him because he he's upset that he missed out on these formative years of his son's life, because he you know he ultimately helped make the decision for John to go with uh, Jarrell, and you know so he yeah, there's uh, a bit of responsibility there every time. Him. Every time he is about to, you know, he's explaining these things. He he always sort of rounds up by saying, "I don't blame Jarrell or I don't blame so and so. I don't blame that." And Khalid says, "Look, you know, this is not about blame, but you're allowed to feel frustrated." And you know, this is what gets to his like actual page where he's like sort of breaks down a little bit, and he he basically yells out, "I wanted to watch my son grow up," and he's you know he's he's lost this. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Uh, so the woman's essentially been possessed, the, the DEO agent, because it, it kind of, you know, it coalesces at the end a little bit where she's coming to the, the Hall of Justice. And uh, this being, because she goes to Madame Xanadu actually before, that's why the flashbacks, mm-hmm. so she goes to, and she says, have you ever heard of Xanadoth? And it's like, no. Is it like a distant relative that I'm not aware yeah. of? Um, and 
Uh, basically, Zada shows up at the end. The big cliffhanger is that it, it, you know, he's went into the DEO, he goes into the Tower of Fate, and says, you know, that helmet belongs to me. I am the, what was it said? I am the Lord of the Lords of Chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the which, true helmer, or true owner of the Helmet of Fate. Which, to me, doesn't make sense, because as much as I know about Naboo, he is the guardian of the Lords of Order. So, uh this is where the magic stuff, I start to be like, I can't keep it all straight. Uh, you know? That's why I don't like magic that much, Matt. <laughs> oh, no, I, I like magic when there's rules, like like you've always said, too. And, like, mm. I feel like Tynan and now Ram V, they've, you know, they broke down magic enough to now that there's these new rules. And and here, now you have Bendis. Well, now this Lord of Chaos is saying he's, you know, that belongs to him. And I'm like, oh, man. I thought we cleared this up already. So yeah, no, but it's it's fine. I and I like when Magic shows up and interacts with Superman because he's so out of his element. Mm-hmm. You know, like he can deal with an alien invasion, right? And Rogel are in the United Planets, but you start doing the Magic stuff with him, uh, and he is just as he's in the same position as everybody else. So, but I don't get very sinister vibes from this from this Xanadoth guy. You know, like, I don't feel like he's this big, like, hulking monster, you know? So I wonder if there's just going to be him and Superman talking stuff out and about uh, how... Your mic's going, Matt. Uh, what I liked uh, about this issue, because as much, because I've obviously not a big magic guy, and, like, uh, maybe it helps that I've not been reading Dark, so it, I don't feel as contradictory with uh, what, what's going on. Sure. But... Well, I like, I like how it builds up the character. Uh, like, because, you know, I love the, the little tease as she's walking into the Hall of Justice and it's, it's kind of like, oh, the, the, the Hall of Justice, uh, you know, it's closing in 15 minutes. Please visit the gift shop. Uh, Snapper car merchandise is, you know, 75% mm-hmm. off because they probably can't sell it otherwise. Um, yeah. And, but no, I, I like the, the build up and the flashbacks to just sort of building some intrigue of who this is and how it's taking over this woman and how, how it's building up to, to kind of whatever its, its goal is, whatever its motivation is. And then I like the therapy side of Superman because it's all very character based. It's you know I mean it's in the Tower of Fate, but it's not necessarily focused on the magic side of it. It's about character. So while it's version into magic, and we'll see what the next issue does. Maybe I won't like it as much, but I think this issue works quite well for me because it slowly builds the 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 villain side, and all the Superman stuff is very kind of like very yeah. much uh, you know reflective of everything he's went through in this run, and it it makes it all feel like again like it's unified, like it's. It doesn't just feel like it's moved on to a new arc and forgotten everything from before. It's, it's it still feels like it's part of one big tapestry, uh, which even I even with at the beginning, there uh, this uh, panels have been going around of Superman stopping to take a picture with the kid, mm-hmm. you know, that wants to meet him, and he's just kind of like, you know, the public's superhero, and I feel like Bendis has really embraced that over his course of of writing him, which is really really nice, because uh, for the longest time he kind of had outsider Superman at play and now he's focusing on him being almost like focusing on his humanity for lack of a better term so yeah but what what i was getting at before my mic went out was just that i feel like this xanadoth guy seems like this dark sinister force but i feel with khalid and superman talking most of this issue out i definitely feel this is going to be more akin to like a conversation and not so much a fight um and i feel like the lesson is going to be about you know, you can, without chaos, there's no order. And so Superman has to go through all of this stuff so he can keep his own self in line, you know? Um, 
And, and maybe it'll play something to do with Leviathan as well for Venice to bring all that back up. I think that's where she was when all this went down. Um, yeah. And I think it's interesting oh, yeah. here that even Superman hasn't told Lois. Like some of the things that he's saying to, to Fate here, he's not even said to Lois. That's him right. opening up with this, this idea that he doesn't want to burden anyone with like how he feels, or even himself. Like he kind of almost pushes it to the back of his mind, like mm-hmm. to the point where he's almost surprised at himself when he yells out that you know, he's upset about missing yeah. John's years, even though he obviously would be. Why wouldn't he be? But uh, it, it, it's, it's it's really solid character stuff for Superman and uh, kind of you know I I could take an issue of Superman lying in a therapist couch <laughs> just yeah. talking about your stuff, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So I knew that was coming. Uh, all right, so uh, obviously art's great. I, I love McGuire's art. I think it yep. works really well for Superman. It's not necessarily the Superman art I would pick for a therapy session per se, um, which is not a complaint. Just so much that you know, I think of McGuire's art. I think of pulpy, kind of heroic, bright colors. I think of uh, well, you know his his Supergirl run. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I get what you're coming from. So it's an interesting, interesting. Uh, obviously, some of that's in here. You know, him taking photos with the kids and all that stuff, but uh, it's definitely. Uh, you know, solid art and very pleasing to the eye, and uh, I have very little complaints. So, uh, Matt, what are you giving Superman issue twenty three? I'll give it an eight point five. I will. I'll give it a solid eight, eight out of ten for me. Justice League forty eight, size Spurrier on the writing with Aaron Lepresti on the art. Uh, in fact, first thing I'll say is I thought Lepresti's art was quite nice. Uh, as I was reading this, uh, Lepresti's art usually is. Yeah, I was, so obviously we're going to a new arc with a new team, you know, writer changing and everything. Uh, no idea what to expect from this. Uh, so the st- odd moment face here or there, but hmm. mostly overall, I think it has a great tone to it. I think what I liked about uh, just the, the choice of story here, uh, which is still very much just kind of a, you know, let's have a sort of romp Justice League story before we get to the next thing is the the setting's completely different. I kind of liked that it was a space story, because it was like, okay, immediately it feels very different from what we had last time. Yeah. Did uh, did Matt read this in the end? I know he I, wasn't sure. Nope. I didn't. So, if, if I might go back and catch up, but I'm any opportunity I can get to, to cut something, especially on a big week, I'm going to take it. So. Sure. Uh, Wonder Woman's got a really cool uh, uh, mask for breathing in space, which I thought was... It is nice very touch. cool, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so basically, they're out here because there's a as a ship that's been attacked by some huge alien entity. Yeah. They don't know when they get there. They they just know there's a distress signal. So they're mm. like, well, we should probably go and help. Yeah. Uh, and of course, they're debating like Superman's not happy about you know hurting a creature that may just be acting you know to its nature. It's not necessarily malicious. Uh, but it's like, well. It's kind of about to rip the ship in half and kill whatever's inside. And Flash speeds in and finds out that it looks like a bunch of alien kids who are very yeah. helpless looking. And they're like, "There's like ten seconds here before he cracks the hull, and you know all these kids die." So they're so Superman sort of agrees. Okay, let's look to like fighting it and like you know hitting pressure points to get it away from the ship and so on. But Wonder Woman actually quickly swoops in and does a couple of things with some asteroids. And it turns out that basically it's protecting its own kind of offspring and its mate in the nearby asteroids and the ship just got too close so she actually diffuses the whole situation without hurting anything and she's like oh i figured this out while she were <laughs> while she were debating what to hit and makes even superman look a bit like a, a lug uh but the story then becomes you know we're, 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 you know these alien kids are on their own and they've been set adrift and we discover oh. this this um this moving world 
that is divided into the cell and the what was the other one called spark. the spark uh, and they have is... a, an empress who kind of rules over them and you know she's a bit of a combo kind of unite both sides but not not by choice necessarily she's she's a bit shitty well to explain kind of what she is though is that the spark are kind of all cyborgs and then the the cell are i'd say more like natural mutants essentially um you know and yeah. the, the 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 empress is kind of this combination of both she's, she's kind of like she, she looks kind of like if uh the borg had taken the the mutant kind and like assimilated them so it's just kind of like a combo of the both um yeah. but basically the just league bring the kids back and it turns out, you know, that, like, her rule is awful, and she basically jettisoned a bunch of kids to, like, keep people in line uh, as a warning to what she would do to others if they rebelled. And the Justice League, it kind of becomes something that, you know, every so often a Justice League story will tackle this, this idea of, like, how much should we intervene? Because they come in, and Superman insists that he has to stop her from killing, you know, people for, for you know, whatever she sees fit. And Wonder Woman isn't sure that was the right move. And then ultimately, this, this these people don't know how to run the, the, the world themselves have just been under rule for so long so they basically asked the justice league hey can you rule us can you be our emperors <laughs> yeah this is um so the, so the bit where superman actually intervenes is um th- their return with the kids has essentially uh sparked the coup and yeah you know, there's a you know a lynch mob coming in they've got the empress but down specifically specifically it was a message batman sent to the world before they got there uh that they took yeah. as like a sort of like message of like i don't know help was coming freedom is attainable pretty much and then, and then they uh, arrived with the kids um so it sparks all this sparks all this stuff and you know they, they've got the the empress down you know ready to well one's got a gunpoint on her head and the other one has like a a vibro axe i'm gonna call it um just gonna like lop her head off and that's when superman just comes in takes both weapons is like nope not doing this yeah. and, and that's what diana's really frustrated by it. so i don't know this is their society what right do we have to, to intervene with that yeah the example she gives later the metaphor she uses later is because obviously after this point i said well no they, now they can figure out their world and their future on their own this has to be their choice you know star trek prime directive yeah, this has it's to like, be yeah, trials elections whatever they do now is up to them yeah but one of them says yeah but we just cracked the egg and now we're refusing to help make the omelet <laughs> like and it's funny because like, I, I I think the writing's good enough here that I can see where Wonder Woman's coming from, even though fundamentally I kind of side with no, we should they should intervene and stop people from just murdering each other and you know, it's it's frustrating. This is uh in particular this feels very French Revolution. Uh, what's mm. going on here? Um, and it's like well, I mean, we got through it, right? Yeah, you know, society moved through that and got past that phase, uh, and maybe you know there's an even just let them do their thing you know maybe maybe if they'd done that and worked through the government themselves they'd have come to understandings in their own right instead of just being like well i guess you're ruling us now uh yeah that'll, that'll do nicely mm-hmm. uh where they haven't actually learned anything yeah and this big alien thing is attacks uh the trotter or the, the sorry, trotter are these people these two uh yes. things uh, there's some there's some humor here as well actually where they have no gender uh, seemingly and the translator uh, just defaults to everything being female for that so it's a it's a theme throughout the the, the book obviously Wonder Woman yeah. being the, the the woman and being alone here um the big alien thing that they were attacking before uh was uh that that was the female of its species and the male incubates the lava in the in the in the asteroid yeah because there's a there's a joke where uh, John gets called Mam. And he's, he's like, 
did they just call me ma'am? And it's uh, Barry explains, ah, the translator just defaults to female because yeah. it, they have no gender. And uh, it's interesting, you know, these, these, uh, thoth, throth, um, troth, trotha, that's trotha, it. trotha, yeah. trotha, um, throwing in an extra H there. Uh, they're actually just one species, um, because, you know, the, there's one of them, the, the, the cell or whatever, you know, is, is saying a welcome sister to, to the, the spark. Uh, and it's like, wait, hang on a second. You, you're complete, you look completely different. What's going on here? How are you sisters? Uh, and it's, they actually, you know, when they're 15, they choose which side they are. Although they, they kind of put it as, oh, it's not really a choice. It's just all, all children feel drawn to one yeah. or the other. Which actually explains why the kids all look different from the, the adults. Like, so the kids they found on the ship, clearly this is what they're like before they make their choice. Uh, yes. As to which side they're like they're going on. Kind of just yellow glowing babies. Yeah. Kind of thing. Uh, so... And, you know, there's a moment during the because this this big thing attacks them, death of the troth, and the super you know, Justice League sort of intervene obviously as they do, and Superman says, you know, everyone get down, and you know, and like a sort of action moment way where you know, there's danger coming, get down, and the trotha all just start bowing, yes, your Majesty. He's like, no, that's not what I meant. <laughs> that's not what I meant. Yeah, uh, and then and then there's a big explosion, and that's the end of the issue. Yeah. Um, that's that's kind of falls into a very similar standard, I think, of the last arc, which is like this is a fairly solid kind of like interlude story. That's you know I don't think it'll be that important in the long run, but it, it was a solid enough read. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a, a little clunky in the way it pits kind of Wonder Woman versus everyone. There's no one else on her mm. side, uh, and that feels a little unfair. Uh, it feels unlikely that no one else has that opinion. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know, maybe I'm wrong on that one. Maybe, maybe, it just felt a little bit weird. Maybe we'll see them be swayed, maybe we'll... or something, like, maybe... Because, I mean, this enemy of the troth, I assume there's going to be more to this, like, why are they being attacked? I mean, they, they, I think it says something like, oh, now your empress is gone, you're weak, and for the taking... Well, uh, I was just going to talk about the, the exact wording, is, you you know, you have been sundered by division. Because it's a a whole thing over the, the mm. issue is the idea of the division within the society. It's these two sides, but the empress was unity and, and kind of kept them together. Um, and you know, they you know treat, treat them all badly, but yeah, and, and John's just like, oh no, it's you know classic divide and conquer. Um, but then when this you know thing arrives, it, you know it, it's you know you've demobilized your military, your society is sundered by division. Um, it's like no, this is this is good for them. So the Empress was, in some ways, uh, keeping them safe. It seems even if she was terrible. Yeah, it's an interesting thing to explore. Uh, you know, we'll see what they do. Uh, it was enjoyable enough read, though. I have no regrets. Over no, I agree. It was, it was kind of fun. Um, especially the the art was really nice for the most part. Yeah, uh, especially nice, the stuff nice in space. Colorful and clean. Yeah. I like continuing having you know, the the nice blue cape for Batman. Oh, yeah, that's still there. Yeah, um, she seems to be just in the Justice League box. Everyone else is like a, you know just a, a black cape. But I'm alright with that. He's got a Justice League specific outfit. It's fine. Yeah, it's <laughs> fine. But I, I prefer the blue cape. So keep it up. Uh, but yeah, all right. What are you giving Justice League Forty Eight? That's uh, a seven point five. Yeah, yeah, well, I'll give it a 7.5. Oh, that's, that's a fine score. Uh, all right. Uh, the Flash, 757, Joshua Williamson writing with Rafa Sandoval on the art. Uh, this is the start of the final arc of Williamson's run, uh, the Legion of Zoom. And I, I'm sure Matt's got a hot takes on this one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I will say that I like the issue. Uh, Probably a fair bit. It's not perfect. There's definitely things, but it's it's good. It's a little bit redundant. 
I just feel like every third arc is uh, people sneaking into to Central to attack it while Barry's busy doing Barry things. I think so. I, I like this idea that Barry's obsessed with finding Thorn, so that's what he's doing mm-hmm. at the start. I thought he kind of just gave up kind of easily, where he just kind of, because you know, he, he goes back home, he realized he was supposed to you know, meet everyone mm-hmm. for dinner. Uh, they're already asleep. Uh, Iris kind of talks them down. They end up, you know, the kids get back up anyway. And by kids, I mean Wallace and uh, Avery. But, yeah. uh, and, you know, it's like, it basically is like, oh yeah, maybe I should actually try and focus on my life again for a little bit. And I just kind of felt like, okay, I'm okay with that being a plot beat, uh, uh, usually in the grand scale of things, but we're, mm-hmm. we're in the final arc here and Thorne has just made his kind of, like, big move to, like, start mm-hmm. whatever his plan is. And the fact that the big move, the plan itself starts by the end of the issue makes Barry feel a little bit silly that he wanted to try and be normal again. <laughs> We're mm-hmm. going to work and like doing normal work stuff. Uh, but it sets up this thing where he goes back to work. There was a, a murder, uh, which turns out to be on the night of uh, Rebirth issue one, uh, when mm-hmm. Wally came back. There was a murder where a husband murdered uh, his wife and the kid is kind of left thinking that his dad's innocent, and obviously this harkens back to, to Barry's own childhood. Barry's own. Yep. And Barry's like, wait, because the guy confessed, and the cops are like happy to just throw in the towel and say, okay, well, it's done, the guy confessed, nothing to mm-hmm. do here. And Barry's like, no, the evidence should still be processed. So he speeds off and looks at the crime scene, he wants to like figure this out, and lo and behold, when he looks into things, there's there maybe a hint that... Uh, you know, maybe, maybe Thorne has something to do. Because I, I do wonder, you know, uh, did Thorne mm-hmm. intentionally do this as a breadcrumb kind of thing? Right. You know, uh, to, to, to to prod at Barry. Uh, but just as he's ready to, you know, start looking into this more, he, he hears from, you know, from Captain Singh that uh, the turtle's attacking the station. So he, he runs off to go and help with that. But while he's on his way, he gets a, another call that, or hears that uh, from over the police radio that Trickster's Trickster. attacking somewhere and it's right outside his apartment. And then Captain Cold's attacking Star Labs with Glider. And then, of course, uh, Grodd shows up. Um, uh, where's, where's Flash, atta- Flash Museum. There you go. That's where he shows up. Mm-hmm. So he speeds to Iris and the kids because he's like, okay, if they're attacking all these places that are all very specifically aimed at him, they're all Barry-related places, mm-hmm. he gets all everyone out of Dodge and says, no, like you guys have to uh, be safe. Uh, and the, the, the end of the book, the end of the issue is... This pretty nice page is where Barry and Iris and that are in the middle in a circle, and like uh, the, the page is split into four sections, and it's like, the four different villains doing their thing. Um, and you know it's like Barry run, damn it, run kind of thing moment. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of like the, the 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 escalation here, the build up of everyone attacking at once. The, it feels like you know Zoom does have a plan. The Thon does have that's a Zoom, Professor Zoom. Uh, don't want to mix it up with uh, Reverse Flash. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate this sort of the, the the build here. This feels like a solid issue, sort of like with Barry being hit. Uh, I think, like I said, the only problem I really have with it is that it feels like he he let his guard down just kind of suddenly mm. in this issue, yeah. only for it to be like him to be shocked by the appearance of everyone, like you know, ten pages later, felt kind of weird. Yeah. But other than that, I like the, the the how big it all feels with everyone attacking at the same time in unison. Uh, mm. Feels like Zoom's got some master plan. Hopefully, the the payoff to it uh, works, but. Um, yeah, uh, I really like that breadcrumb of the, and Williams tying it back into Rebirth, that he got so distracted by Wally's appearance, that he never processed the the evidence, you know, so it might have been an open and shut case, but he, we don't know, you know, so I, I like that that still drives him, there's still this balance of right and wrong. It's an interesting little 
sort of plot thread to put in here at the start mm-hmm. of this arc where you know it's for the most because we expect this arc to be very action-packed a lot of big stuff right. with, with thawne i do wonder how it's going to play into ultimately where the arc goes uh with whatever the mystery is behind this like it, it was thawne behind this 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 murder yeah. uh or is, or is it just a random thing that that barry you know ultimately can't give a happy ending but i feel like mm-hmm. it's going to come up in some way uh but you know yeah uh, sandoval's art is pretty solid as well I yeah thought. Pretty, pretty good for Flash. I like the colors here, especially that last page. It kind of divides up amongst the color lines. I like turtles green, and yeah, you got uh, you know, the reds at play uh, towards the bottom, and golden blue with uh, cold and glider. So, and no, the art's really good. It's just it's a it's a fine issue. You know what I mean? It's just it's I'm I'm here until it ends now, so it's not like I'm going anywhere. But it's a little bit frustrating how it up and down this book can be. Yeah, I mean, sense. I think yeah, the, almost to its benefit, Flash was a lot less than Fine for a good year or something mm-hmm. like that. That right. that Fine feels pretty good right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's why, like, so so you said I might have some hot, no, not too many hot takes on it. It's just I do feel like like Williamson is getting a bit redundant on these plot features to where they're not all the same. But man, it's it's his go to of the all attack at one time kind of vibe. But I guess after Paradox, everything's better than that. So, <laughs> you know. Uh, but no, yeah, again, it's fine. Like, I'm not... I don't have much complaints about it, but it's also not, like, amazing. So, yeah. I, I think my... What I liked about the overall feel of it, it just... It, it did generally feel like a Flash issue, uh, which is a mm-hmm. weird thing to say, but it's for a time there, um, I didn't... I mean, not that it didn't feel like a Flash issue in the sense that it felt like a Flash comic. All the zany things that were happening were very Flash-esque ideas. But, mm-hmm. I don't know, it didn't, like, this felt more like at-home Flash again. Uh, yeah. Kind of stuff. I, you know, it, it's back in a familiar place. We're not dealing with, like, yeah. all these different forces and, you know, paradoxes and this. This is a straight-up, all the Flash villains are attacking at once and they all are deeply personal places. Mm-hmm. Barry, yeah, it doesn't get much more flash than that, right? Yeah, so now we'll, we'll see how the rest of this arc uh, mm-hmm. arc goes. Uh, what are you giving this issue? I'm gonna give it a seven point five. Yeah, I'll give it a solid seven. You know, I I, I think uh, uh, yeah, perfectly enjoyable. Uh, not perfect, but uh, it's definitely a lot better than how I felt on Flash. For, for you know a while obviously i mean this is not the first time i felt this way you know that next snap mm-hmm. was definitely the the the, the, the turning oh, yeah. point but yeah so let's flash hawkman 25 rob venditti writing with marco uh, castiello on the art uh so take it away oh boy what a 25th issue right uh yeah so yeah, so stuff. this kind of puts into focus like the whole Qatar Deathbringer saga and that it seems like there's more at play here because we we start to really build it it's almost biblical in the sense of you know someone was keeping an eye on Qatar and it wasn't this Lord of the Void right it's sounds... I completely misread it no no I agree it's it's yeah. very similar sounding um, yeah and then there's some really smart lettering here where it uses the mm-hmm. exact same style of kind of a wobbly bubble, I'll describe right. it as. 
and but inverted colors. So it was a little void. Colors. Yeah. Right. It's a black bubble with white lettering. This is a typical bubble, but with yes. the same but features. the same style, uh, which makes right. me feel like this is the the Lord's opposite number. You know, his rival. Right. 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 And that they were keeping an eye on Qatar Deathbringer, and that that uh, when when Shira got involved, it was almost kind of like an Adam and Eve type situation. Yeah, she kind of got banished. She got banished along with him, and that's what connected them. And she's like, well, I really didn't do anything but kind of appear to him. And at the end, it's what you wanted. He's like, but no, but you interfered. And now nothing can be the same. And so it adds this extra layer to Shira and Katara that no matter what they do, no matter where they're reborn, it's it's because of this intrinsic. She acted, and it's almost her own independence. Yeah, and it gives her this real incentive to, I mean, beyond just being a good person, which we know, mm-hmm. she, you know, she's a hero. Uh, it gives right. her an incentive to to help uh, Katara, you know, repay mm-hmm. his debt of all the the souls because. Right. She's told here that um, you know she will not be uh, looked upon again until his debt is repaid. And you know if if you somehow manage to get back here when that's done, I'll consider you know you you know that atonement. You're you're you'll be you know welcome back into the fold. Mm-hmm. But if not, uh, you know that this is it. Then this this is all you're going to do for eternity. Just reincarnate with this man. Right. And so I'm getting like, look, I'm not a biblical scholar whatsoever. Like I'm a, I'm a filthy heathen. But from from the mythology pieces that I understand, I almost feel like this is like fallen angel stuff. The fact that they have wings and they're being cast out of places. It, it that, definitely feels that way, yeah. Right? Almost almost as if Qatar is this Lucifer type where he fell out of favor, but now he's, you know, trying to make things right, you know. Um Yeah, and, it's and then, it's interesting. So obviously, um I'd say Shira here seems to be more of the Lucifer in the sense that she's like yeah one of the firstborn. Um, mm-hmm. She's you know, one of the the chosen and and is actually physically banished by what we're assuming is the good entity here. Yeah, yeah right, like the, the god, so to speak. I don't want to call it the one above all, which is DC's. You know, that's their plug and play for a big G god. Uh, but that's what it feels like, you know. Uh, and then when you start to add in all the multiversal stuff, like, is this one of those, like, is this another one of the Perpetua's people? Because remember, we were told with Perpetua, there were multiple, multiple verses, right? And this was hers, and she wanted to create one of chaos and and whatnot. It almost makes you wonder if this is one of those, or if it's above that or below that. Like, there's so much of it that he goes in this first chunk. And this is even before we get to the Lord of the Void stuff. This is like the first two pages, three if yeah. you count the double pages, two pages. It's so layered in this mythology. And then again, I keep bringing this up, I keep comparing it to Jason Aaron's Thor, but I feel there's a lot of, not similar beats, but what it's doing with the character. So, playing with the history. Themes. Yeah, playing with the history and who they are in, in different parts of their life. Like if we got a, a future Hawk story, I wouldn't be surprised just to see where where they go after Carter and Shira, you know. Yeah. Um, but no, I'm just getting these vibes, and so it gets back to the Lord of the Void, and and basically this was he knew Carter's sense of of history and that he could play that against him, so he's left these clues all across the multiverse in time and space 
that will always lead Qatar back to him. Yes, because uh, he, he can't get out into their world, but he can nope. bring them into his. Right. And if they have them both, then he can use their whatever whatever power is, you know, making them, you know, be reborn across time and space. He can harness that and come out. Uh, yeah, and, and it definitely plays with how personal this is. You know, he quotes his own, you know, the the, the Lord of the Void quotes right. Qatar's own journal at him. Mm-hmm. And so he's been staging this for a while. You know, this is all it's been. Every every step of this way for for Carter has led back to the Lord of the Void, and it also almost makes me feel like we're getting close to the debt. You know, him being Hawkman as, you know, all the lives that he saved and whatnot, it almost feels like Lord of the Void, no, this, this point was coming. He needs to get him before that yeah, I comes. Can, I can it's almost see like a desperation part of, play. Part of the end of this story being that, yes, he has fulfilled his debt, but he wants to keep reincarnating because he knows mm -hmm. he can still be a hero across time anyway. Right, right, so right. Just because he, he knows he can do more. Right. But it, but it feels like this isn't the first time one of Carter's souls, for lack of a better term, has been here. You uh, know, no, you could be right. There, there is a, a process that the Deathbringers, when they attack Carter and Shira and they string them up on this altar, of, you know, to, to harness their power and whatnot. Yeah, and the way the, the Lord of the Void knows about the connection mm -hmm. with the mace and right. just completely just, like, shuts it off. that connection. Which, again, that was another Thor thing. I'm thinking, well, now Hawkman's unworthy. Yeah, I got right? that, too. Um, so uh, we've kind of brushed over one of my favorite moments of this mm -hmm. whole issue uh, is, um, you know, uh, Holtman, he throws his mace at, at the Lord. And, you know, he's like, no, no, nothing. You know, he, he takes it, he just catches it. It's no big deal. And he just says, no, 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 you're mine. And Holtman goes, you know, sorry, I'm spoken for. And then you have a full page splash of, uh, of, of Shira, um, you know, you know coming into yeah. attack with a mace uh, you, know, you know even gods die it's it's a fantastic thing yeah uh but then he catches her and you're like oh man and then we really see that's when he you know affects the mace and basically severs that connection but shira finds out that that the lord of the void can bleed she and... takes her own helmet off and just starts stabbing him in the arm yeah. with her helmet yeah it's pretty great and, and, you know, as we learned in Predator, if it bleeds, we can kill it. So... is kind of what this is playing on here. Yes. Yeah. He's like, you know, how, how do we even fight him? And, and she goes, oh, he bleeds. It's a start. Yep. And, yeah, but, you know, he ends up beating them down, and they get harnessed, and their power starts to charge him up. Yeah, this is where he, he grabs one of the slaves and kind of not quite eats, consumes its energy. Yeah. And and it's like, you know, this is what you were bringing me all these things for, all those times. Every every soul you 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 brought was was a harvest. They're, they're my food essentially. And it's like, you know, all that you've done, you've just made me more powerful. So, I'm good, basically. Yeah, and and he's charging up and also on the design of the Lord of the Void, I like that he has these big old bone wings cuz it sets that opposite, you know, uh, you know, as you're saying, the the voice in the beginning, it makes me wonder if it's going to be him, but flipped, like, so they'll have the full be. wings. Yeah, because because right. Shira at the start there had 
proper wings, like traditional like hawk wings, right. but um, right. they, they were a natural part of it. Yeah, you could say angel yeah. wings, um, but right. they were stripped from her as part of that punishment. Right. Um, but yeah, and then at the end, there's just a thing from wrestling I want to bring up that I couldn't get away from. Um, there, there's a wrestler that goes by the Murder Hawk Monster, and his his slogan or his catchphrase is "Everybody dies." So I gotta wonder if if Venditti is a wrestling fan, because just the way that this ends up with a giant hawk monster. I mean, you didn't get that the with the, the the Green Lantern thing. Yeah, well, to know the four horsemen and the four corpsmen, that's one thing. But to bring something modern in now, sure. you know what I mean. So I just everybody dies kicked in. I was like, oh man, this this is this gigantic monster is basically Lance Archer, you know. Um, Fair enough. Uh, yeah. Obviously, that was lost on me. It worked fine anyway. Yeah, uh, but it still works fine. It's it's still a great moment at the end, and it, it feels like all is lost. It doesn't. Yeah. Earlier in the show, ch channeling their energy into the obelisk, and so you know, I you know, the, with the power of all your lives, I'll rule scream. Right. I just you brought up how twenty five didn't feel like this. You know they didn't make it this extra big issue, and it almost doesn't feel like an issue twenty five. Although this is such a big moment, I was disappointed because I could have done with an extra four or five pages of this. Yeah, I was like, oh my god, it's over already. What? Yeah, uh, it just it went in so fast. I was like, where's the rest? Uh, yeah, and and but, not in like necessarily a bad way, but just I really wanted more right now. Yeah, but. I, I, I like the restraint of entity pulls here that it's just it's just part of the arc that's going on, but there's still this big huge moment, right? We get the uh, revelation about Shira, and about how she independently, you know, when she got involved, it it damned her along with him, and that here yeah. here we have that we found out what the Lord of the Voids actual game is, and it's to be reborn in in outside of the void, whatever we're gonna call that. Yeah, you know? that seems about right. So I do like that, that it feels monumental in that story-wise, but not like, you know, this is a big, huge issue and you're going to need it. Yeah, you know, I mean, forward. it's it's huge in the sense of this this arc. Like the, the, this is the second part of this arc now, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, definitely feels like the culmination of the, the run so far. Um, like this is this is building on everything and paying off all these things from the, you know, the, the first arc. Uh, so there's all this calling back. So it feels huge and monumental in its own right. Um, but this does just feel like part of that giant, giant arc rather than a yeah. particularly special issue. It, it doesn't feel like this is the point we've been leading to either. That's why I was getting at with the... I feel like the Lord of the Void's bringing up all of the souls. It's getting... Like, he had to act now because we're getting towards the end of that. But it almost as Carter's purpose has been renewed here, yeah. learning all of this as he does. And, like, this time he has this knowledge going forward, you know, that he can make this difference still. And if he overbalances his scales, what does that mean? You know, if he starts getting into the positive, then is it going to keep this guy trapped there even longer? Is it going to overpower the other one? And that's problems as well, you know? Uh, but, but I know Venditti's just killing him on Hawkman. Like, I can't, can't lot it enough. Yeah, it's uh, another fantastic issue that, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm giving this one a nine again, because this, this book is just yeah. so good. Yep, yep, nine as well. It's from the art on down. It's yeah. fantastic. All right. 
Supergirl 42, Jodie Hauser writing with Rachel Stott in the art. This is obviously the only book that actually came out last week. Uh, yeah. And I mean, me and Matt could have just showed up for like a 10 minute episode and just be like, hey, everyone, welcome to the show. It's going to have a Supergirl. Yeah, Supergirl. <laughs> um, bit maddening that I don't have this issue physically. Uh, bittersweet because I was really enjoying this team of, of Jodie Hauser and Rachel Stott. Um, and it just kind of, I don't want to say it's a fitting in because I feel like there's so much more, but it, it does its best to wrap up what came before this with the, you know, um, Supergirl infected, there we go, the infected storyline. Yeah. And her coming to terms with it. Um, and I just wish we had more from this team. It's a solid, it's a really solid issue. Uh, I mean, honestly, I, I have very little thoughts on the issue itself. It's, you know, it's fine. Supergirl saves uh, some people. She's fighting the general in the, in the suit. And ultimately, yeah. the general uh, helps her save all these people because that's important. And then she tries to arrest her. Yeah. If, if I have a complaint yeah. about the issue, it's that it felt like it was missing a page. Uh, yeah. There was a moment where she wants to arrest Supergirl and all the people they've just saved from this building that was flooding in the storm uh, mm-hmm. basically saying, no, you're not doing that, and they all circle Supergirl to, to save Supergirl and protect mm-hmm. her. It's this, you know, it's maybe this really touching moment. And I felt like it was really missing, like, a full-page spread, of, like, you know, turning the page and seeing the full scope of all these people around her. Instead, you just mm-hmm. kind of see the first couple of people sort of get around her. It's, it's, it's not the big moment that it should be. So that's, like, my one, like, comics construction complaint of the, the story. Uh, but otherwise, you know, it's just fine. It does what it's told, uh, you know, what it's supposed to do. It ends with Supergirl flying off with Crypto saying, um, you know, uh, like, I've got work to do. It's never over. I'm always Supergirl, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, it's almost the exact same page you get in any book that's ending that shouldn't be ending, where the, everyone wants the character to continue, but the book's not yeah. continuing, so you just have to deal with it. Yeah, it leaves it open a bit. But um, it's, it's basically what I said last time, which is, like, you know, they, they keep doing this where books like Supergirl don't get to, you know, or, or writers or teams on books like this don't get a chance to actually do anything. They're just there to kind of have this weird arc. Jodie Hauser especially seems to always end up on Supergirl right before it's going to get cancelled. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's a shame. Um, they never get the attention and focus that they're supposed to get. Yeah. And... It's a shame. But I, I did like the moment with Kara where she's like, you know, fine, take me in but you need to help me save these people first. There's a hurricane. We're in the eye of it right now, and it's going to get worse again. So I like how she talked the general down, and then the people come to her aid. So I do like that. It's a very Superman family, you know, trope, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, but she doesn't settle it with this. She does go to talk to her, uh, to the general. And I know if you're going to complain about it, the general just feels like super prod strokey, Lex light almost that I feel like we could have had some more development had this kept going. Oh yeah, I don't think it's a, it's a f- decent character. She was basically but... introduced last issue, so it's, it's not like she's had yeah, much time to really. Yeah, much here. So no, but again, it's it's a fine finish. Um, but yeah, I, I really wanted more of this team, and it's a shame. So if they do work on anything I together, I will check it out. Um, because I enjoyed these. What was this? Four or five issues. Is it six? Yeah, six? I think it was more like six. Cause I, I uh, think it maybe your mind skewed a little bit because it was like yeah, the infected the stuff and then these yeah. last few that have not been infected. Yeah, uh, So, but whatever it was, I, I enjoyed for the most part. 
Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, Hauser always had the voice down, and I think Stott's art always really uh, complimented, you know, to how Supergirl comics should feel. Mm-hmm. It was surprisingly enjoyable, given that it was kind of just completely taken over by a, a you know, a tie-in idea to this, this ultimately kind of meaningless... It's kind of a meaningless tie-in, because Supergirl, as much as she was like, infected in, in Year of the Villain and all that stuff, it never really felt like she was actually a major part of it. So it's, it's in hindsight, looking at how her book was completely taken over by it, it kind of like because we've already forgot we've already forgotten about you're the villain. You're the villain, is such an afterthought at this point. And the fact that Supergirl's still like dealing with the ramifications of it just kind of feels like, yeah, this book got hijacked and now it's ending. And yeah, I mean, sure, but at the same time, like she kind of was only infected because it was meant for Superman, if you're looking in the story-wise. So the fact that Hauser tried to play with that and how it wasn't, you know, it worked differently on her because it wasn't meant for her. So in her brain, she's doing heroic stuff. Um, Like, I, I thought I thought she did the best with what she was given. Oh, she absolutely did. Uh, Taz yeah. is a great writer, and I, I don't so. envy some of the jobs that DC seemed to give her. Uh, yeah. Rather than just let her tell a story, she's you know she's the fill-in writer to end a end a run bizarrely, mm-hmm. uh, which and they've done that to her a couple of times now. Uh, so I hope, I really hope that she is given a proper book that she's allowed to actually tell her own story on and have a run of some kind. It would be very much nice to see. So, so uh, uh, but what are you giving this Supergirl issue? Um, I'm gonna give this a seven. Uh, seven. I think that's fair. Yeah, I'd give it a seven too. It's a perfectly fine read. Art's solid. Uh, yeah, there you go. So we go. Uh, Young Justice issue sixteen. Brian Michael Bendis writing and David F. Walker as well. Uh, with Scott Goluski on the art. Uh, this is Bart Allen. Uh, given as an exposition dump. As uh, to not uh, not what I thought it was going to be, given how the last issue ended. Yeah. About Bart's adventures through the multiverse when really. His journey isn't much different than Connor's, where he was fighting Mirror Master when whatever happened with Rebirth happened. And he's gone through some of these different ones looking for his friends, realizing that where he came from no longer exists, and they're kind of exiles. Um, so I guess that's more on me than it is on the team at, at play, because I thought this was going to be Bart finding out some things about the multiverse and kind of what's going on. I mean, I don't think it is on you. I I, I think this is anticlimactic. Yeah. Uh, okay. I, I I feel like, you know, the, the, the tease last week was okay. Cause, cause Connor's story was okay. This explained everything, but it wasn't like super mm-hmm. exciting. He's been hiding in gem world no. for whatever years, you know? Right. Um, so, so the tease last week where he's like, oh, wait, you never actually explained how, where you came from. Like how, how, where have you been all this time? What's going on with you, Bart? And it being like, you know, this big tease for the next issue, it's kind of like, okay, we're going to finally get some really juicy stuff about uh, right. how Rebirth affected Bar and why he's around and so on. And this issue, you know, it was, a, it was like a random fight with Connor and this monster from Star Labs. And, yeah, uh, that was pretty fun. Yeah. Like, because the monster, you know, it it explains itself, but it still just wants to eat people. You know, so you mm-hmm. think you're going one way. And it's like, oh, no, he's misunderstood. No, but he still wants to eat people. So I thought that was a nice, fun break. Um, but yeah. I, I will say I, I did like how Bendis and Walker dealt with, with, with Bart's trauma and all this, and that the reason he keeps moving is so he doesn't have to stop and think about things. 
and that's such an impulse thing, right? Like from from all the impulse that I've read in Bart Allen is he's moving faster than his brain because he doesn't want to deal with reality. Because, I mean, this was a guy that was raised in virtual reality. And they touch on it here that he doesn't even know how old he is because of his hypermetabolism. He could be two, he could be 19, he could be 34, right? But because of all the, the flash time travel aspects and multiverse stuff at play, he's kind of lost track. And that's really hit him, you know? And he just keeps jumping around so he doesn't have to think about it. So I did like that, but... I do feel like there was that bait and switch where, okay, we're going to get to the nitty gritty. So when we got to that, him saying like, oh, well, I went to this other reality. And I'm like, well, this is just more of what Connor went through. This is not really different. It is not just that. I was already kind of sick of the multiverse hopping stuff uh, in this book from before. So him thinking he's went to a multi, you know, just another earth or he's in between Mm -hmm. universes and whatever. Like, and especially since it didn't even necessarily feel like he was on a different Earth at a certain point. You know, it felt like he just went to the future and it was like, okay, the young Justice all died heroically at some point and it's a mystery where they went or what happened to them. Yep. And, okay, maybe that's what the story's going to be now. It's going to be about the, the young Justice trying to like figure out why this has happened. And it, it kind of ends in a similar way where when, once Tim shows up to talk to the two of them at the campfire, they're like, okay, let's go to the Hall of Justice and talk to the Justice League about, you know, what happened to us. Um... But yeah, he's in like this future where Bart's, you know, he's in an Arkham Asylum and he's yep. he's with like old woman Harley Quinn, who's, yep. you know, prod- hair still died. Yeah, hair still <laughs> yeah. died. She's still prodding at him. And, you know, it feels like a nightmare scene rather than like an actual future yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, but he actually does escape because he's, because he's, he's, this is the same world, of course, that uh, the young justice has died in. And he's asking questions, and he's trying to claim that he's Bart. And she's like, "No, nah, they all went missing years ago. You can't be Bart." And he he escapes. You know, he uses his super speed to get out, and he runs. And he basically says that as he was like jumping back and forth in time, looking for Young Justice, that's how he ended up at the start of the, the book, where where he ran into like, Tim and all that in Metropolis. And it just it's kind of underwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> I guess is the best way to put it. Um, and I. I appreciate the focus. I appreciate that this issue focuses on really just mm-hmm. the... I mean, Tim shows up eventually, but it's really just the two characters and mostly Bart. Yeah. And I really appreciate that because I think this book's been kind of lacking that and maybe it had a bit too many characters across the board mm-hmm. every single issue. But I am yeah. very underwhelmed by what the actual reveals are and what the story is. And it still kind of feels wheel spinny in terms of there's not really a great answer to this. Like, it kind of felt like early on that Bendis had something to build to that kind of, like, tied it all in with why Young Justice is the way it is and how it all mm-hmm. ties into Rebirth. And ultimately, it just kind of feels like it, it keeps coming up with more timelines and more stuff he's... to make it confusing. <laughs> yeah, I feel like he's just stringing us along now because, I mean, the, the first arc with Gem World had, you know, talks about seven crises and, and all this different multiversal stuff. And it really set the bar high and now we're just getting to the point where it's like oh yeah rebirth happened and we got lost um but i, I do like at the end where where drake shows up and hopefully there's not another beat and switch where you know we're just gonna get what happened with him and and spoiler because i really want to know what happened to them in between tech and young justice mm-hmm. because they seem to know more than than what's being let on i mean so 
I'm less worried about that stuff because at least because that's not going back to rebirth. That's something that just happened between a story that we liked right. and you know where they are. So it feels like it's more of a personal thing. So I'm hoping that that mm-hmm. that, that can pan out a bit better. Yeah, I don't. I hope that's not multiversal stuff. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. I hope what what they find out has something to do with you know, um, I guess you'd have to go multiversal because you're you're involving Connor and, and Bart, but I, something that they uncovered that's going to explain like like Steph finding out that some time ago she had a baby, right? I, I feel like. It's, it's feeling more and more like you said stringing along, and I kind of agree with that sentiment. Yeah. It, it kind of feels like fluff in a way where yeah, the, the book doesn't necessarily have a purpose, and it's just like mm-hmm. we want a young justice book. So Bendis just keeps writing stories uh, with these characters, right. well, and it feels like it's kind of directionless. Or worse yet, it feels like it's pretending to have a direction, but doesn't actually feel like it has one. And I no. I think you know looking at his, his work at dc so far I, I you know i think his superman stuff has definitely had a direction it's definitely had something to say mm-hmm. i think naomi on its own was a really good story that spent time yeah. interested in this new character and i think legion and young justice are the ones that kind of feel a bit more like up in the air and legion's earlier on so it's not in the same place yet where it yeah. feels as aimless but there's, i have a concern that it might get there where it kind of feels like we want these things to exist yeah. so they exist but they exist without much of a reason or real sort of uh i don't know just like point i guess yeah i know he has a rip hunter-esque board because this all makes sense to him Mm -hmm. you know from his superman to young justice to legion with naomi they all kind of cross over at times and i would just like more concrete with with some of them even in legion where i just feel like that's kind of gotten away from him the fact that we're getting i mean as much as i love the gimmick of you know these one-page origins for each of the characters, that's a issue that we're losing to for storytelling. Yeah, it, yeah. You know? Honestly, two the con- issues, Matt. Two issues, yeah. Uh, two issues. The the concept of like every page being like a different member of the Legion is the exact opposite of what I think that book needs to do. <laughs> yeah, well, no, that's that's a great idea for an annual. Sure. Right? Yeah. Or a guidebook kind of deal, but now we're getting away from storytelling that he wants to tell them it's like it's all well and fine that john's up there and it's like his college experience and whatnot but to tell you the truth right now i can't remember what happened in issue six you know i remember the gold lantern was there and i remember that made it a hot book and there's monster boy but actually what happened i'm gonna have to i, I remember how, no i, I remember comes out i remember how it ended it was you know earth's water was coming back with the, the trident mm-hmm. like you know like i remember the the, the basic broad right. stroke of it just on that there yeah you know, matt you, you were like oh yeah okay we're doing you know john's college years it's kind mm-hmm. of weird to do that when we, we didn't do the high school years right right no it's very much so you know like, it's a strange was, choice and just being around the, the the universe and now he's up in space and i don't know i i've been pretty positive on bendis but i definitely feel like those two books need a little bit more focus do, do and maybe he's doing like too it's... much it's it's maybe not even Bendis's his fault here, but you know the editorial like okay, we've been promising mm-hmm. a Legion book for years at this point. We really need to do one. Bendis, do, yeah. do, do you want to take a crack at it? And and he's just gone, eh, I guess. But he didn't really. He, I, he didn't approach them with, oh, I've got a great idea. Oh, for sure. I I feel the reverse for that for Young Justice versus Legion, because when he first started, the stack of books he was getting into. I remember he posted that picture. Mm-hmm. There was a ton of Legion stuff there. So I definitely feel like Legion's something that he had a passion for, and maybe it's gotten away. Whereas what you're saying about Legion, I would apply to Young Justice. 
where he's kind of like, hey, we have all these young heroes. You're pretty good with young heroes. You created Miles Morales. You want to... He's like, sure. It, you know? It's, it's kind of this weird thing where I, I love his Superman stuff, right? I, you know, mm -hmm. like, Ramita's art aside in action. Yeah. Uh, and that one arc that we really didn't like, like, Superman stuff's been great through and through. I think it's all had something to say. It's all had this, this great vision and focus to it. Whereas Young Justice, and to a lesser extent Legion, but Legion obviously is only six issues in, so I'll give it a bit more time to kind of find its feet. Uh, Young Justice, though, like, it feels like I keep I keep getting, like, solid rompy issues without, and it keeps teasing the possibility of yep. something that pulls it all together and makes it feel like, because Bendis is at his best when there is, like, a focus and it feels like everything is kind of continuing on from each other. Mm -hmm. It kind of feels like a because, and I'm being very diplomatic with my wording here because I don't want it to just seem like I'm I'm jumping on oh yeah hate on Bendis. Um, I'm trying to be neutral here. You know, Pete, what you just described there is kind of what you know how we talk about you know the the last arc or, and this current arc of of Justice League, where it's like yeah it's it's fun right, mm -hmm. but it's uh, and but Justice League knows it's just being a fun book. It's not pretending to be anything else. So you're okay with that. Whereas it sounds like uh, Young Justice feels like if it just embraced being that fun thing, like fluffy fun, that you'd be more okay with it. But because it has this feeling of, oh no, there's going to be, you know, real deep meaning stuff, you know, it's going to have ramifications that you, you, you've got these higher expectations on it. Uh, I'd possibly, I mean, I think if they tried to do that with this, I'd still be frustrated because they, 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 they do need to explain why these characters are here and how they're back and mm. why they're this way. There's some way to just doing this from the get-go. Uh, regardless of what the book was trying to promise us, I suppose, but uh, no, no, there's probably parts to that. There's, there's probably definitely some of that in there. I, it's, I don't know, it's just a little bit frustrating, and I, I'm hoping that it can turn around over time, but it's kind of like, you know, Bendis has his good books and his bad books, and I feel like this is feeling less like his, you know, his Avengers and less like his Ultimate Spider-Man, where mm -hmm. Superman does feel like, you know, maybe has run in some of his, yeah. his better books, and this maybe feels more akin to, and I didn't read much of it, but this maybe feels more like his Guardians of the Galaxy, which existed because Bendis hadn't done Guardians of the Galaxy yet, but it doesn't isn't that yeah. ultimately that important or anyone cares about it. I mean, and that, that ultimately tied in with his X-Men run, which this kind of feels the same for, where there's a lot of these big ideas, mm -hmm. but you just keep getting strung along to ultimately, you know, that the whole young X-Men story just kind of resolved itself in some way. I like his X-Men uh, stuff more than this show, Justice, though. No, but I know, but what I'm talking about is the stringing along. Like, there's this mystery of why can't they go home, right? And in that, it felt more natural because of, of timey-wimey stuff and what he did with Eva Bell, you know, creating that character that could freeze time. And But it kept, when I was reading that, it kept leading to this, you know, Beast is trying to get them home, but they can't figure it out. Mm. Here, the mystery's inverted of why, what happened to their home, and they don't know if he knows quite yet you know what i mean so i i don't know but so, out of uh, interest if, are you anywhere near like giving up on the book just no. to, you know the, with the way that you know you kind of no no i mean I, i'm still reading it it's just just it feels like it, it this should be a book when it was announced that could, could have been like amongst the favorites every time it was coming out and instead it's kind of in this weird murky place and I, part of it feels like part of it feels like the editorial side of things where it, he can't just go and answer a lot of things because it's supposed to be stuff that ties into various other things. So it feels like there's a hindrance on it. Uh, and I maybe combine mm -hmm. that with being a bit too many characters or 
or whatever or, 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 or maybe it's maybe it's just not as good as his other work and that's something that it could just be that possible but it, it definitely feels like it's hindered by a lot of like oh well we can't explain too much of this because this this would contradict rebirth or we can't explain too much of this because what we're going to do in death metal is going to fix a lot of continuity stuff it feels like a, it feels like a book that's, that exists despite what continuity says is supposed to be going on right now and the book has still not gone over the fact that it's trying to still kind of define how it's getting what, away with it. <laughs> what issue are we on now? Uh, this was, what, 16? Mm-hmm. So we're, you know, well over a year's worth of issues at this point, and it's still kind of dealing with why the team exists in this continuity. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're well, still and there. Well, that's how I feel, be how he picked the team, right? These are all these heroes that haven't been around, you know? So instead of doing his own Teen Titans, he's doing this. Which is fine, but like, I mean, the the first arc of this book should have been like why they're all Resolving here. Resolving these, yeah. And instead, and it was you like get on to telling stories with them. But then it was like it's that's immediately go to Gem World and not address any of it. And like some of that was fun, and I think stuff after that was more fun. But the more I look back at the the run in hindsight at this point, I'm kind of like, I feel like you've just been stalling. There's been just lots mm-hmm. and lots of stalling. This is uh for everyone who says Bendis decompresses way too much. Yeah. This uh, this this sounds like a key example of that. Well, to me, this is not decompression, though. This to me, this is just the story's not there yet. Like, I think decompression is very different from what I'm describing here. Uh, decompression in the sense of we should be at a point already where the team has been explained, but it's taking it's being spread out over little little drip feed yeah. bits here and there over all yeah. of this thing. That's decompression in in that sense. I, I mean, I guess, but I, I don't even feel like it's decompressing that story. I just feel like it's avoiding that. <laughs> Uh, up, up until these last two issues it kind of wasn't even a factor in the book for like you know two arcs or something well, like that. and then he's he's stopped to pause to, to explain all that and yeah I don't know I, I kind of just want I, I understand why they're there but I just want them moving on doing young Texas stuff yeah I, I feel like know? instead of being a compelling story that kind of answers and brings together some sort of like good reason why they're all here and where they all came from and remember things Instead, it feels like this really long checklist of like, okay, we have to address this. So instead of feeling like a story, it feels like, like, oh, we have to, like, adhere to all these these bullet points. And I, I, I guess I'm feeling the, 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 the wire work a little bit too much. Instead of just feeling, you know, a story that has these elements in it. Um, so. I didn't expect to be so negative on this. I mean, ultimately, this year when I rate it is, it's, it's going to be like a six. Uh, you know, it's it's, it's not yeah, terrible. Yeah, I, I have it at, and I have it at a seven. I still enjoyed it, and I love all yeah. the art stuff. You know, but again, going in wanting to know like how that last issue left off to this, it was a big letdown. Yeah, so. yeah. It, just, it feels a bit too fluffy. I want I wanted it to feel more important, and mm-hmm. it just it, it's not getting there. Um. So, but those positive qualities, they are pretty solid. I mean, the only thing I don't like about uh, Godlewski's art is that I think sometimes his mouths are a little bit too, uh, I guess, anime, <laughs> for lack of a better. Like yeah, a better it doesn't term. bother me. It's, you know, fine, uh, fine by me. From memory, his mouth's always felt kind of thin. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's definitely. I think a thing. he means by by anime. Yeah. He... I'm I'm thinking specifically whenever they do sort of emotion with their kind of like. Like sort of thinking and pressing the lips together. Like, it's just a one line. Yeah, mm-hmm. or it's like a yeah. I don't know. Um, when they, when they're in like sort of feel talking, it's fine. Uh, but whenever they get the mouse closed, it feels a bit iffy. But 
Uh, I guess that's just this. It ended up being kind of a sprawling conversation of why it's not necessarily as good as it should be. Uh, which is a shame. But, hey. Where are we? <laughs> <laughs> I had to get my list up. Batman and the Outsiders, issue 14, Brian Hill and Dexter Soy. Uh, and it's funny because, you know, we just talked about Young Justice, and I feel like yeah. Batman and the Outsiders is kind of more hitting what I feel like Young Justice should be, whereas it feels yeah. more cohesive and it's going at a nice pacing, and I feel like it's building upon what it's been doing. Yeah, my one problem with this is this doesn't feel like the same Batman that's doing stuff over with Joker War. You know oh, what I mean? sure. Like this, I mean, this feels like it's in a pocket dimension. And not that I mind that, because I really enjoy this pocket dimension. But, um, I feel but, like yeah. that's, that's a problem is, is age old, is ever since we've had multiple Bat yeah. books, Superman books, that's, that's crops up all the time every so often. Where, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, you know, I don't know if it's because Hill kind of plays as Batman. I don't want to say as a villain, but he's definitely an antagonist towards, towards uh, Jefferson to Black Lightning for the majority of this book. And so to see them constantly butt heads and here now they're kind of on the same page, you know, um, and, yeah. and there's someone else at play. And that's not that gloss over. Yeah. That's not gloss over the, uh, soy's back on art though. Cause, uh, yep. Oh boy. Yep. It's back to its full glory. I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, Jefferson's powers have increased a little bit because of the, the, the device that Bruce strapped him into last issue. And ultimately he wants him to use his powers to sense where Raz al Ghul's technodrome is. Uh, that's what I'm calling it. Mm-hmm. That's fine. <laughs> and uh, so he's like, okay, that's a good idea. And Bruce is like, still holding things close to his chest, and Sophia's there with them too. But he's like, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to go and uh, uh, do something else first time. Yeah, they're, they're basically going to scare, like, basically prove to Raz that they can, like, take something from him. So they, they yep. show up and, like, beat up a bunch of their thugs. Obviously not killing them because they're, they're heroes, but uh, right. basically... The, the, he gets Sophia to implode a building on top of a Lazarus pit to, to basically take the Lazarus pit away from Raz. Uh, I, I do like that. That is, that's a big F you to him. Oh, it is. It's pretty, um, it's pretty sinister in a non-evil way. So, yeah, so here's the thing is, are Lazarus pits still just one use only? And then he has to get rid of them? I don't think so. Are, I, I think you okay. can use them. Because that was a thing for a little bit. I forget who was writing, but they were only one use and then Raz would implode them on their own. So if they are one use only, right. And he has a limited number of mm. them, Batman coming and basically like, Hey, guess what? You're not that immortal anymore. Mm. Kind of adds a little darkness <laughs> to him. Um, yeah. It's, it's almost, it's like getting close to a kill, but it's not really cause this guy's immortal. He yeah. should have died long time ago. His, his natural life right. should have ended ages ago. So it's, right, it's kind of right. whatever. Uh, meanwhile, the kids uh, have got a choice to follow Shiva to try and find Raz her way, and Katana is like, try to talk them out of it, but ultimately let it be their choice. Uh, and all that dialogue I really enjoyed, and obviously the big reveal of the issue is after they've, they've imploded this Lazarus pit, and like, Bruce is talking to someone in comms, he's like, I think we've got a lead on, you know, where Raz is. The twist is, is that he's actually talking to Shiva. So Shiva, like, torturing this 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 uh, like, evil banker mm-hmm. who does, like, all of uh, Razi's money laundering or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously Cass is like, no, we're not going to let her kill. Because it feels quite dark at first where, uh, you know, Duke's like, hey, like she, she may kill this guy. And Cass is like, no, I won't let her. Uh, but then it turns out that, you know, Batman knows that the kids have went with her. And Shiva is actually kind of playing along to Batman's kind of sensibilities and plan. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, you know, it turns out that they're they're actually kind of working on the same page. 
uh, ultimately. Yep. So they've got a location for Raz, and they're they're off to get him at the end of the issue from coming from two fronts. But obviously, I assume they're going to like meet up in the middle uh, next issue. But uh, yeah, yeah, I like that reveal. Well, was, well, I... There was something really fun Go about ahead. the reveal that Batman was actually talking to Shiva and in, in communication yeah. with her the whole time. Yeah. Nice touch. Yep, I like it because it, it almost seems like he's... I don't know if Bruce did manipulate her to manipulate the kids. So mm. ultimately, they're doing what Batman wants still. And and I hope that causes problems if that gets revealed mm. to Cassandra going, you're not letting us be us, you know? Uh, so uh, I do like it, that goes. It may not be as uh, manip, manip, manipulatory. Manipulative. Manipulative, that's Manipulative. the word. Uh, is yeah. that... Nailed it. I, I like the idea that like he wanted the kids to make their own choice and just knew they would ultimately make the right choice so he's just kind of right. he's, he's given them like a short leash or a long leash rather but he's ultimately they're all going to coalesce in the one place mm-hmm. again because the, the the goals are the same um so i mean you could argue it's the illusion of freedom uh i would argue yeah. it's freedom in actuality but ultimately it was always going to lead them back I feel this is the similar problem that I had with Tynan's Batman, where yeah. we're, we're playing both of it, and we have both very different interpretations of Batman, as, as I'm seeing through here, where I inherently don't trust him. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and you're just like, it's fine. I'm like, I don't know, man, Bruce is up to some shady stuff. Um, but I just like how he all pieces these really well. And this this issue, like, usually I'd have a problem if I breeze through them, but this is always so fun to read. Like, I just read through it quick anyways. It kind of, not that it's at the same quality, but when Johns was writing Green Lantern, I would rip through that book. And it was almost a waste of a month of a book because I'd read it so damn fast. Mm-hmm. Kind of how I feel with, with The Outsiders is I get so excited to read it, and it, it goes so quick, and the pacing's there. And this one's kind of more action-oriented as well because they are taking down some some league guys mm-hmm. that were defending the Lazarus Pit and... But yeah, you're right. That reveal at the end was really good because at the beginning you're like, well, who the hell's Bruce talking to? It's not clearly. It can't be Shiva. And then that's who it ends up being at the end. And it's, I get a lot. Yeah. No, I, I like the reveal at the end. It was, it was, it was like a fun kind of like, because sometimes it reveals that Batman had a plan or Batman was behind something and it feels a little bit, uh, that's what's kind of why these little ones where it felt, of course, of course, you can, sort of, you can sort of laugh it off a little bit and just enjoy the, the the batman kind of orchestration of it if you will uh but no and the art's phenomenal dexter soy absolutely kills it i love uh the coloring as well is so good uh you know it's, it's everything i was saying about the, the art before last issue uh so it, yeah a month off but we're back to full-on soy art and i'm very much pleased about yep. it what are, you, what are you giving this issue matt uh, i'm gonna give us an eight uh i will concur with the uh solid eight out of ten uh, which will take us to the last book of the week. Lois Lane, issue 12, Greg Rucker writing with Mike Perkins on the art, and this is wrapping up this 12-issue story. Connor can finally tag back in after, I think, what, yeah. three issues? Hot tag. Connor gets a hot tag. Was it three? Yeah, it was three. What was before Young Justice? Uh, Supergirl. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, there I spoke in Young Justice. Okay. So, <laughs> oh, we said something mailed the negative of Bender, so Connor chimed right in. Jumped right in, yeah. Um, hey, I wasn't actually that negative. I was just questioning. Okay. To Lois Lane, because I, I want to get through these, so I want to wrap up. Um, but I, because I have a lot to say about this issue. So, 
I got to ask you guys where this goes and what it does with the multiverse stuff. Do you feel like it's taken away from Lois's focus on the book? Yes. Okay. I I like everything that this does with the multiverse. Let mm -hmm. me just put out that I like all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. But this is not the book I was promised for those first like three or four, five issues of, of the run. Uh, you know, where it was all about, you know, Lois, the, the journalism, what what it means, the story. Yeah. And then by the end, it's like, I mean, they've tried to kind of bring it back in here at the end, but I don't think it really lands as well as it should because we've just spent three issues, four issues doing all the other stuff entirely. With, uh, I mean, it's, uh, it's, kind of, it's kind of like it ends two stories because we have like the, the big ending to the journalist side it's her, you know, that everyone goes quiet as she walks into the Daily Planet and she has that, that scene with Perry and you get some of the media reactions to what was revealed. Uh, and it feels very political. It feels like, it's, you know, it's paralleling a lot of real-world events. And then you have the, uh, the the TV interview, which talks about her book. And her book, which, you know, has been, been written... And Bendis has been talking about her writing this book for ages. And it turns out the book she's been writing has been about the multiverse and about parallel universes and how... Uh, you know, some some people do have faint memories of, of a, an alternate life and how to sort of deal with that that process and stuff, which I think is a really interesting concept. Now, I don't know if I necessarily disagree that maybe having them both be smashed together like this I, I think was... It feels like it should have been two six-issue arcs mm. rather than one big 12-issue story. Uh -huh. Yeah, I could, I could see that. Because um, I actually like both stories. I, I actually really enjoy mm. both stories. So, And I enjoy the stuff because when they're getting the final bit of evidence they need for her story, uh, yeah. Montoya and Elise are in... Or Lisa, Alicia. Alicia are in yeah. uh, uh, Kadim, I think, was it? Yeah, Kadim. Yeah. Um, oh, no, they're... Chechnya. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chechnya, there you go. Chechnya, um, not Kadim. Kadim was in uh, Batman the Outsiders. Yeah, I knew it was in... There was, I knew it was a comic this week with Kadim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't just pulling that out of my ass. Yeah. Uh, no, I know, no, no. Uh, so they, uh, you know, they're in this sort of they're having this kind of fun relationship, bonding as like they're in a gunfight, and you know, it's, it's, yeah. it was fun stuff. Um, I think this issue okay. has is full of enjoyable moments. It's kind of an, a weird final issue to this this book because of what we've already said about the feeling like two different stories put together. Um, so it's kind of this weird thing where I'm really glad this book existed, and I really liked reading all the issues of it. Um. But it's kind of a a clunky. Once you get to the end, you could you could see how you'd rather edit it into a slightly different format and get mm. a better end product, right? Yeah, I, w I wonder. Yeah, I, I would love to hear Rucker's reasoning for how this mm. book was structured and how it's kind of smashed these two stories together. Because, like you say, it could have just been, you know, Lois. You could have, you know, Lois Lane one through six could have been the, the journalist stuff, and then you could have had a second arc, like a sequel called Lois Lane Colon. Uh, kiss of death. Kiss of death. Uh, yeah, uh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, well, and that, that's where I feel that I've seen some criticism online that this got so away from Lois as a journalist, and I'm like, well, we haven't really had that since her dad died, right? So it really is like two six issue arcs. But that's know? that's the problem. Is the first arc didn't have a conclusion. It just paused because we got interrupted by the kiss of death stuff, and did right. all that, and then smashed the conclusion to that first arc in here with the conclusion to the second arc. But I also think tying Lois to kind of current events doesn't make it that definitive Lois story. You know what I mean? Yeah, you can't hand this to someone now and go, this is the Lois story to, to make right. sense. Yeah, and, and I don't think you doesn't... could do it even before the Kiss of Death stuff. I just think it was... Rucka had a lot on his mind because he, he would do this in Lazarus as well. 
but in Lazarus, he would keep it towards the back matter. It's, it's tied. He had an outlet for it. It's tied know? to too much stuff even from the get go. Because I think if you wanted this to be Lois's Harleen, and not necessarily as an origin, yeah. I'm not saying set like at the start no. of her career. I just mean like okay, as long as you have a basic understanding of Superman and that okay, Lois is you know either married or not, but you have a basic understanding of what Lois's role is in Superman's world. Okay, you can hand this story to anyone. And say, here's your standalone Lois Lane story. How, that's how a really good journalist Batman story. Or Superman stories. Uh, that, that I just you go right. Okay, what can you hand someone? Go. This is yeah. a good Batman story that anyone can just be your, your first Batman story or you know Superman. Mm-hmm. And this, the first few issues felt like it could have been uh, that right. Lois story. I think once mm-hmm. we got to dealing with um, Superman, you know, you know, revealing his identity, I think it kind of yeah. lost that element of. This could and have been someone's it's first too in, It's too in continuity, yeah. It's, a, it's an right, uncontinuity book. And that's my take on it. And, and I can understand where people would think that. But at the same time, I'm looking at this as for what it is. And to me, Lois is the curator of the mm-hmm. DCU, right? We see a lot of stuff through her perspective, not just being married to Superman, but being the preeminent reporter. So the fact now that we're getting her involved with the weird multiversal stuff with Renee in Kiss of Death, and what that means for trauma and going forward is that this is all stuff that we have to live with, right? It almost ties into what Bendis was doing with Bart. Um, And I think it helps, too, that I read these back-to-back and that, you know, yes, if this is what we're doing, if DC's doing with the multiverse, it's like, yeah, all this stuff happened and our people and our our characters remember it, but it's not exactly their origins, right? It's something that gets echoed um, I like that Lois is the one that brings attention to that because she is our kind of viewpoint to, you know, the DC universe as, as the human, you know, she's not a member of the JLA, but she hangs out with them, I, right? I think that's, that's why I go back to it. It feels like two arcs is I like that story. I like Lois being the mm-hmm. one having that story. I just wish we'd yeah. finished off the first arc before we did this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's still yeah, a lot yeah. more. I'll take a sequel series to this, but I think... Going back to the, going back to the point about being able to hand someone the story, though, I feel like she's not the only DC character that has that problem. Like, I think even no. some of the bigger characters have that problem. I don't think there's a Flash story you can hand. You know, I think all the Flash stuff that's great is all all big runs. I don't think there's like a single Flash yeah. trade where you it's, can go. Here's a Flash story that will get you into the Flash. Yeah, like run. I love mm, I love Blitz. Maybe no, slightly. no. I will not have you say that that doesn't work entirely on it its works. own. As this is here you go. Here's a story on sure. its own. Born I mean, oh, oh, it does, but I mean, it's all it's all in flashback with him being a kid. So I don't necessarily think it works in the same way that I, you know a lot of the other books we're talking about do. I don't, I don't think it does. I think it works in the context of uh, if you know reading all of Wally's story. I, uh, even Green Lantern, I, I think for the most part, I mean, Secret Origin works to a point, but even that's supposed to be read in the middle of the arc. It's not or the middle right. of the run. Sorry, the Hector Hammond stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's what I was gonna say about about John's Flash run is I love Blitz. It's one of my favorite Flash stories of all time. You can't read Blitz without reading up to that point, though, because so much of it is is entwined to Hunter Zolomon to, and his wife. And, to the point, Matt, where I, in my head, like, I mean, obviously if I reread it, I'd be able to do this more confidently, yeah. but mm-hmm. I actually can't separate a lot. I mean, I love Wally's Flash run. I, uh, mm-hmm. John's Wally Flash run. I mean, right. I can't separate most of those stories in my head. They all just kind of blend together yeah. as one big run right? to me. And same, same mm-hmm. with his... Same with his his Green Lantern, or even if we if we bring it to to more modern I stuff, think, 
his Green Lantern break, breaks up a lot more definitively in your head. Um, structurally, it's I'm not saying you can like hand someone your Blackest Night and go here you go, uh, but right. I think it's it's a lot clearer in, in breaking up its parts yeah. uh, as a, as a reader. At the very least, like Green Lantern, like builds to Blackest Night, and then you've got post Blackest Night. So there's at least a big yeah. split point in the middle where you, you there get, is. And, before and after. And I, I do agree with you that not every character has something that you can hand them, but um, this this book when it started felt like it was going to be that, and that's exciting in its own right. Anyway, it was yeah because but, every character should have one of those books, right? And that's where you know I try to look at stuff for what it is and not what it should be when it comes to stuff like this. And I mean, this is one of my favorite books every time it came out. And but I also don't know if it's my continuity bias, right? I love when they do stuff with continuity, and I love that this is Rucka trying to streamline, you know, Renee's version of the question, which he's instrumental in creating, right? Because I went back and read the, um, in between these two issues, I went and read the, the the Books of the Blood or the Five, whatever that was, that introduced, introduced Alicia. Yeah. Right. And it's a fine book, but it really requires you to know what had happened to lead up. But this almost caps off that stuff as well. So I feel like what he did with his Wonder Woman, where that was playing with pieces that he had done with before, this was the same, and I could understand the criticism. This went from a Lois book to a Renee book, and I would full, I fully understand that criticism there, you know. Yeah. Um, think, but again, I can't separate it to the, you know. For me, it's just ultimately how it's it's less than than all its parts. Like you know, it's it's like I'm building a flat pack chair. All the pieces are really nice. You know, they're they're, they're nice wood, whatever. And you know, I'm putting them all together, and and you know, each each issue is you know, one what are these pieces. And I get to the end, and it's like it's kind of missing a support beam, and it kind of just crumbles a little bit if you if you look at it too hard. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of how I, I feel mean, about this series as a whole, where that's... individually, yeah, yeah, all really really nice work. Yeah, someone that's fallen through quite a few chairs. I fully get what you're saying. Yeah, you know, but at the same time, I really enjoyed this, and when they released the you know the big deluxe trade, I'm gonna have it for myself. Not that I'm gonna lend it out, but again, it's, but again, I love Rucka. I love what he does with in this, you know. Um, but yeah, I know it just it does feel like a capper to his DC work before New Fifty Two, you know. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, it got a little bit self-referential almost. Mm -hmm. of, like, you know, it got to a point where, again, the first few issues felt really. Uh, even us who are you know read the vast majority of of all the stuff since at least the New yep. Fifty Two, right? Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of mainline continuity, like we're, we're at least that far. We're, we're kind of on board with most things. Mm -hmm. And then we get to this, and I'm like, man, this is going back over a decade, pulling on threads of stuff that I've just not read. And and there were points, I think even the, the last couple of issues, that we spoke about how I, you know, I, I get the context of this moment mm -hmm. being a big moment and a big you know, reveal because of what it's doing and the way it's framed, and that was a testament to the art uh, that can manage that. But I definitely felt like I was lacking some of the context and and the enjoyment that this should have had mm -hmm. uh, because of that. And I definitely felt that once you're referencing books over a decade old, when you're halfway through a series, uh, you know, of issue, of this series, when you start introducing that things, it feels a little bit bait and switchy. Like, hey, we got people on on board feeling like they are. Yeah. This is do reader friendly. And we got you all now, and then oh, never mind. And so again, I do understand that criticism, and it's you know, very, it's 
valid, but it doesn't bother me as much. It's yeah, because it's I'm enjoying where it's coming from because that that's exactly my kind of jam, and that. I get that appeal yeah. to some people. It's just, it's, it's one can't. thing to say, oh, well, this this stopped being a, a lowest book you can hand mm -hmm. to anyone as you know their first lowest right. book because it's so tied up in current continuity. That's mm -hmm. that's one thing entirely because okay, well, at least when you when we're reading this monthly as we are now, the expectation is we're aware of current continuity at least, so it's so it's fine. It's when it's referencing things from so far back, like two reboots ago, uh, that it's like, well, okay, hang on, take take a step back. I, I like being introduced to a lot of like weird, wacky stuff that I don't get right away. It's, it's kind of, it's one of those things you have to deal with when you start getting into comic books. Uh, you know, when you start venturing out of those standalone stories that you can hand to people and you, you get things referenced, you hear about things. Um, and it doesn't happen as often as it used to. Although that said, comics surprised me with just how often it still happens. You think after reading for over a decade, you, it may not happen too much, but it still does fairly frequently, to be honest. They'll whip out some weird character from some run. Mm -hmm. There's always blind spots. And I'll be like, oh, what the hell is this thing? Um, and I think, you know, Rucka maybe wanting to give a capper to a lot of his DC work uh, in this form is, is kind of interesting. It's maybe a bit personal and maybe, you know, I... as for people who have read some of that stuff or care about his work in DC... Mm -hmm. uh, but be more on board with it if 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 it was upfront with that's what it was going to be from the start. Yeah, but they don't have a surprise though. Like, I mean, imagine right. how, imagine the surprise of like some of these characters showing up. I, I, see, this is the thing. I don't even want like specifics, but just if at the start they'd even in, even in like interviews at least we, they talk about how you know this is this is capping off like you know all elements of all my history at DC, you know things like that. Uh, you know, it, it's gonna right. you know have these thematic callbacks. I'd have appreciated that at least. I think. I don't know. But I do think that would give it away a bit. Like if we knew this was gonna be Renee and Sister Mercy and uh and uh shit. Jessica Midnight. Mm. You know what I mean? The only person that's really missing is Sasha Bordeaux. So like maybe he's got that up his sleeve. I'm, I don't know. But... I, I'm okay with being lied to for a bit to, mm -hmm. to make a surprise well, work. Because um, we're fine with getting worked, Pete. That's part yeah. of enjoying one of the art forms. I was lied to in the sense of, okay, this is what this book is. This is what I'm giving it my money every month. And then, oh, actually, we're, we're actually doing something completely different. But we've kind of got you on board now, so we'll keep taking your money. And and it's not until, like, well, we're, we're almost at the end now. So we'll appear. Uh, and it's kind of frustrating in that sense. That, uh, that That's where I feel that, that the, the lies and the expectation uh, has an impact on okay if, if i'd known from the start that that's what this story was and it was going to be calling back all this stuff i might not have read it from the start because i'd be like well, okay well I, i'd rather not have uh you know read the capita rucker's runs without reading most of that prior stuff i thoroughly enjoyed the adventure this one on and i was as much as i liked the journalism stuff in the beginning i can see how rucker got away from it because maybe tying her to the current events at the time you know it adds a, a date stamp on the book where you kind of want Lois to not be ageless, but you want to be able to tell a story that can take place at any time and tying it to, you know, 2019, 2020, you know, maybe he was just upset with stuff that he was going through and he had used Lois as a megaphone for, <laughs> for that. You know what I mean? But, you know, this for, for what it did and, you know, how Lois comes from the fact that she has a teenage son and whatnot that was that was born in between realms, you know, like I don't know. I, I think Rucka did the best with what he could. 
uh, I'm I'm gonna give this an eight point five. <laughs> Connor, uh, I give it a seven. Yeah, I'm giving it an eight. Uh, there you go. All right. Uh, so now takes out the part of the show where we pick our favorites of the week, do our favorite panel slash moment of the week. Uh, we do our favorite cover, uh, best star, and then pick our top five books. So Matt, what is your favorite panel slash moment? So there's two I can pick from. There's the you know awesome Hawk Woman that I feel like uh, Connor's gonna pick out. So I won't go with that one, but I'll I'll have Crypto running to John, you know, and and Dead Earth. Sure, no, I can see that. Uh, well, Joe, what's funny about that is that I never pay attention when you're talking about Hawkman. So whenever you're picking like a moment from Hawkman at the end of the episode, yeah. you say something, I'm like, what, what are you talking about? What's this nonsense? I don't remember this. Uh, Connor, what's your uh, moment? I will take the moment from Hawkman. I think that full page uh, of her. It's pretty good. It's, uh, it, it was, as I, I kind of knew as I turned the page on Flex, I read that before Dead Earth. I was like, mm-hmm. that, uh, that, that's already like in my head a contender for for moment of the week and it's i don't usually have that when i'm reading like i usually don't even think about it and i get to this part of the show and go, oh shit quick um but this one as i was reading it i was like oh boy that's going i'm logging that one down so yeah yeah i actually don't have like a quick answer for this one uh this week i feel like uh my answer is to say something from dead planet because mm-hmm. it's the book i enjoyed the most but um, I I, I mean, I, I guess probably the gut punch of the full page of uh, Wonder Woman ripping Ollie apart. Uh, yeah. yeah, that hit hard. Yeah, I'll go with that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> best cover, I'll start off. Uh, I'll, I'll probably go with uh, Deceased as well. I'm going specifically, though, with the Blade Runner uh, variant cover. Of course. Uh, That's very nice. That was one of my three contenders. Yep, yep. Uh, Connor? Uh, well, it was that. The Lois Lane variant, or honestly, just the, the regular Justice League cover. I really like that. Um, I might go with that one. Sure. i got to see what the Lois variant looks like now. So it's, a, it's a Amanda Connor one. Yeah. Yeah, what's your pick, yeah. Matt? That's, um, I'm looking. As of right now, before I, I finally got to look at the... Since we switched over to the other site, and they don't have them all listed. Um, I don't know, the Superman one looks pretty cool. I don't know who that was, but it's got hit lightning. Coming down, but I'm, I'm checking the Hawkman one because actually it's going to be the Hawkman one. Um, yeah, those are pretty good to be fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, my, yeah, my variant. the variant, I'm sorry, it's it's Carter and Shara in full warrior mode. Looks like there's yeah. blood spatter on there. I'm trying to pull up who did this one. Uh, Zafino, yeah. there we go. Yeah, mm. that was pretty damn good. Uh, Carter, best start of the week, Hawkman. Matt? Hey, weird. I'm going to say the same. Hawkman. Yeah, I am not. Because I didn't read Hawkman. Uh, I am going to go with Dexter Sawyer on Batman the Outsiders. Because mm. uh, that was really good. All right, Matt. Top five books of the week. Top five. So, number one's going to be Hawkman. Number two is going to be Dead Earth. Number three, I'm trying to go through these. It's been a while. Um... So number three is going to be Superman. Number four is Batman and the Outsiders. And five is Lois Lane. Connor? Uh, Hawkman, Dead Planet, Justice League, Batman, Lois Lane. Yeah, this is kind of a weird week, actually, because I feel like I had a lot in the seven range. Like, there was a lot of, not bad things, but lots of not 
rate things. That's, uh -huh. that's what mine was. Out of my five, yeah. three of them were sevens or 7.5s. Yeah, but let's see what I could do here. So uh, number one for me, uh, Deceased Dead Planet. Number two... Uh, Superman, number three... Lois Lane, number four... Batman Outsiders, number five... Batman. Yeah, I go with that. So, uh, yeah, kind of, kind of, a, kind of, a, it's like a lot of books, but there was a lot of just okay books uh, overall. You know, stuff, stuff like Justice League, stuff like uh, a kind of a weaker issue of Young Justice. I didn't uh, have anything bad, at least on my stuff. No, nah, that died, but there, it wasn't, it wasn't very, bad. It was upsetting. It was like disappointing. It just wasn't. There wasn't a lot of enthusiasm for a lot of the books. It was a lot of just kind of okay stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. Not everything, of course, but a lot of them. Uh, so here's hoping next week can give us some uh, bigger punches, you know. Uh, so what is coming next week, you may ask. Well, lucky for you, I can tell you. Uh, Nightwing 72 is out. Justice League 49. We're already at a dollar Justice League issue. That's so weird. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we got Aquaman 61, Teen Titans 43, Strange Adventures number 3, Dark Knight's Death Metal number 2. So, I mean, those last two are clearly going to be the two highlights of the talking next week. Yeah. Uh, got Catwoman 23, Jimmy Olsen number 12, so that's wrapping up. Uh, Daphne Burn number 6 is out, Metal Many, uh, and then that's pretty much it. So, uh, yeah, quite a week overall for us. In terms of what we're covering, there's definitely a lot less books being covered, but uh, we're probably going to have solicits, and I imagine Strange Adventures and Death Metal will probably be two pretty meaty mm -hmm. conversations. So, uh, I wouldn't worry about next week's show suffering in terms of uh, the, not, you know, the amount of content we've got for you. So, so talk, talk me out of reading Nightwing. Why would you even be considering it? Joker War tie-in. Dick Grayson has learned the truth that fixing his identity... <laughs> that's why. I won't even finish it, but that's... Yeah. Um, Look, we know he's coming back in the... Whatever book it was that it was solicited. I think it was Batman. Uh, and not in his own book. So why bother? I have to admit, Matt, I'm male detempted. Yeah, right? What's wrong with you people? Yeah. Matt, it's just it's, earlier this very episode was any excuse I've got not to to read more books. I'm going to take it. And he, On so he didn't a read busy Justice week, League. you're missing an addendum. Uh, yes. Besides, we all know Matt is a hypocrite whenever he says anything about cutting books and reading less. It's, it's true. That's why he came back to Flash after like <laughs> twice. Yeah, he did it twice. He came back twice. <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, I, I do have integrity. I just wanted to, to let that no, don't let it think that I don't have one of the three eyes. Because I do. Um, plus, he's but, a plus he's a big punchline fan, and punchline's on the cover. So yeah, got got to get that punchline. Yeah, she's the new Harley Quinn. Did you guys know that? She very much is not. Uh, actually, I think you'll fade. That's not what people in my comic book store have said that I ever heard. Uh, people are frustrating. Yeah. Uh, um. Alexis Key, or yeah, Alexis Key is the character's like. Punchline's actual name, which I I only know that because I clicked on Nightwing to read the description, and it says characters at the bottom. It says Alexis K next. I was like, why not just say Punchline? But okay, now I know her real name, uh, <laughs> which I'm sure huh. was in that that book that they had the origin of her. But I, just, I, uh, I can't remember it. Huh. But hey, I'm seeing I'm seeing if there's a a, a a pun there, and I don't think there is. Uh, no, I don't think so. No, I, I don't see one. And no, nothing obvious, at least. No. No, all right. Uh, so that's coming next time then uh, on the 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 show. 
Uh, I don't know why I started so much there, the, the word show, but you know, uh, it's because I was getting something up on the computer and I was talking whilst doing something can be difficult at times. So, uh, yeah, that has been episode 209 of Conscious of the Multiverse. I uh, hope you're happy to have us back and uh, look forward to big discussions next week and everything coming up with uh, Death Metal and whatever else we're doing soon that's exciting from DC. Uh, so, uh, did that whole Michael Keaton thing happen in between? Did we yeah. not ever talk about that? Yeah, I don't want to talk about it now. I, just, I thought I mentioned it. Uh, uh, the first Flash movie should not be a Flashpoint movie. The end. Uh, so, <laughs> that's the extent of my thoughts. So, yes, I will thank... What's what's up, Matt? No, just the whole thing. I'm yeah. just, I'm over that. Like, I don't know. I, I did watch a, a movie with, with Andy Samberg that involved multiverses and give him Booster Gold, please. It's uh, it's real good, that movie. Palm Springs. Yeah, it is real good. It was. I'm, I'm glad that you pointed out it was finally up somewhere. Sure. Uh, sure. Yeah. But, but anyways, that's, that's the extent of the DC comics knowledge I, I want right now for the movies. I'm mm-hmm. enjoy- Oh, by the way, I'm enjoying Doom Patrol. Um, oh, yes. yes. Connor had like a side bet type thing via Twitter. He watched Forgetting Sarah Marshall finally, and I watched the first two episodes of Doom Patrol. Made the mistake of getting my wife involved, so now I have to wait for her. So I've only watched nine episodes. Well, eight episodes. I'm going to nine. Uh, but that means I can enjoy them more. Yes, yes. But, but yes, uh, it is It is delivered on the hype. Yes. So. Me and Cara have been reviewing the new episodes of Doom Patrol. You can find that on the YouTube page or on the Almost Cancelled uh, podcast feed. Just uh, in, case you, in case you cared about that. Along uh, with Stargirl, which is also going on right now. Uh, so... Yeah, I'll take this time to thank our Patreon producers. Uh, so thank you to Alison M. Fordyce, Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Short, Board Now, and Zammer Jammer. Uh, they're all $20 patrons are up. You can, of course, support us for as little as $1 per month over in patreon.com slash TV and get some bonuses for your trouble. At the $5 tier, you get early access to all the multiverse episodes and uh, you get to vote occasionally on the previously stuff uh, whenever we have to, you know, slot, put in one of the Patreon slots and change the book. Uh, but you can uh, go do that. You can also support us for free by simply liking the video on YouTube. Liking is super important on YouTube. It lets the algorithm know that you're we're worth recommending out. So that helps us out a lot. You can also please comment and let us know what you thought of any of the books. Of course, uh, check out the comments from the Multiverse Twitter as well. Or the Twitter. Well, uh, the Twitter too. Uh, DC Comics Podcast. But I meant say YouTube channel. Uh, where the individual sort of cop version of the show goes up as as long as well as all the the previously cop episodes of all the book reviews, so you can find them in playlists. So over time, there'll eventually be a playlist of just the Batman reviews that you can sort of go through if you want, and so on. Uh, but yeah, uh, that is uh, pretty much everything I have to tell you about. Um, you know, otherwise, just uh, you know, keep reading DC comics and mm-hmm. uh, you know, keep active on Twitter, and we love hearing from you and. Uh, yeah, there's been a couple of questions actually on Twitter and uh, whatnot, which we'll save up for uh, next time we have a quiet episode or there's a, a reason we need questions. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so yeah, hopefully you're glad to have us back after one long week away. And uh, yeah, thank you very much once again for watching and listening. We always appreciate it. Keep reading DC Comics and remember to never get lost in the Speed Force.